called Smoking and Toasting. It is all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. It's show number 145, which we have named The Jeremiah Show. Oh, jeez. <laughs> well, we had to name it something. That's true. It's uh, true. So uh, my man Ian is uh, traveling today. He is on his way to Las Vegas. In fact, based on a text I just received from him, I think he may already be there. And I'm actually going to show this to you, uh, Jeremiah, and then I may show it to the camera from my iPad. This is what Ian just texted to me. And for a moment, I thought it was just a photo out of a magazine because it looks so good, but check that out. Oh, that's fantastic. Yes. I'll show that to the camera and then I'll have uh, Adam, our producer, put the uh, put the photo in and post uh, so you can see an actual better version of that, my friends. That's what Ian's doing. That's right, I'm gonna, and I'm gonna spark the Facebook debate. That must have been taken with a Samsung. Oh. <laughs> oh, there you go. There you go. See? <laughs> well, I can always count on you, Jeremiah. I can always count on you. Ah, to, controversy to, sells to, yeah, tickets. Controversy. That's right. That's right. Clicks, as it were. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so, so welcome to the show. We are live at B&B Butchers with uh, Jeremiah Butler. And we're brought to you by B&B Butchers and Restaurant at 1814 Washington Ave in Houston in the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth. BB Italia on Memorial in Houston and BB Lemon on Washington Ave and a brand new location coming soon. And by the way, your your sponsor line just keeps getting longer and longer because uh, <laughs> you guys are expanding the yeah, empire. Yeah, man, we've done, so, we've done very well. And, so uh, real quick, tell me about the, because uh, I actually read about it in the Houston Chronicle about another location at BB Lemon. Yes, New Lemon, will be, it actually we just did our media party and uh, VIP stuff uh, the past couple nights. Uh, I believe 4th of July, we're just going to kind of soft open the doors and see what happens. It's, it's a quieter weekend. People right, are out right. of town. Right, so it's good for a it's soft It's nice to, yeah. to not get, you know, kicked yep. in the you-know-whats yeah, and, uh, sure, and all that. Sure. And then, uh, yeah. I'll be there with 50 friends. No problem. <laughs> see, I don't have 50 friends. And we'll so. all order the same liquor. So excellent. <laughs> excellent. Well, well so that's good. That's good. I'll, 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 I'll warn Monique. <laughs> so, uh, no, uh, uh, BB Lemon obviously has been a, a pretty good success for you guys. Absolutely. Only, how long has it been open? Not even a year, right? Or uh, the lemon that we have across the street on Washington has been open. No, it, it's about six months. Oh, that's what I thought. Um, okay. But this was just kind of serendipitous. Um, so with with the Pax Americana building, you know, with that restaurant closing, mm -hmm. it was kind of a no-brainer for Ben um, because it was already kind of laid out and designed to, to, to a fit like a work. lemon. Yeah, sure. Um, so it just, it was, it was kind of just, wow, all right, I guess, I guess so. And so, and obviously it was less of a uh, intense build out because it was already fairly turnkey. Sure. So that helps kind of move things along. Yeah, like well, that. yeah, because it's coming, coming up pretty fast if Absolutely. you're soft opening this weekend. So, yeah. uh, uh, so, well, that's, that's awesome. And, uh, and I have not been to BB Italia yet, but, uh, Tom in our office went and came back and gave it a glowing review. So excellent, yeah, uh, yeah. It's it's pretty pretty exciting. Yeah, um, BB Italia. We're, yeah, we and we we've been open about uh, probably about the same. It opened just uh, about four months ago. 
Uh, in fact, I actually just got the email from the guys up there. We're about to, to add some uh, some some whiskeys up there. Right. Uh, kind of kind of expand. When you first open, you don't really know what the identity is going to right. be. You got to so figure out what kind of have to wait what the what, customer base. Yeah, is what be. people yeah. are asking for. Sure. Um, obviously, they're asking for Blantons. But who isn't? <laughs> well, um, I asked for Blanton's earlier when I walked in. It's the yeah, first thing I did. Abs- uh, I asked for Blanton's every week. Yeah, I bet you do. Uh, well, I, I just wanted to mention about Ian. He is in uh, Las Vegas. Mm. He is both vacationing and trying to scam his way into some of the IPCPR parties. Okay. So we'll see. We were we had thoughts of uh, joining IPCPR, which is the International Pipe and Tobacco Retailers something. They're about to change their name, actually. They're changing their name to the Premium Cigar Association. So PCA will be much easier to remember what it stands for than IPCPR. But it's the big uh, uh, cigar retailers convention in Las Vegas. Ah, gotcha. And it happens this time every year. And we were actually planning to join this year, and it didn't work out. It's something we'll most likely do next year. Uh, but... So without official entree to the the things, Ian just planned his vacation for this uh, for this weekend and uh, and decided he'd go and crash some parties. You know, he knows a few people. That's true. Yeah. It's true. He walked. He, he actually he told me he's going to try two things. He's going to walk in and go, I know Jeremiah Butler. That's not going to get you very and far. See how that does. And then he's going to try saying, I know Rocky Patel. And see if maybe that would probably take you farther. Probably take a little I'd probably little take you farther. Maybe, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, so anyway, Ian won't be on the show this week, uh, but he will be filing some special reports, which we will see. Yeah, in the and he's, I'm sure he's here in spirit. You know, I, I think uh, uh, Ian's uh, wife Tiffany is with him. She's got the camera, so she'll be able to do actual real. That's high why that quality, picture looks yeah, amazing. HD, HD footage of. Ian being thrown out of different events. Yeah, at, absolutely. At, at yeah, yeah. So. Being, being politely asked to leave. Yes, exactly. <laughs> politely asked to leave. It's exactly right. Sir, the fountain so, is not for bathing. So we have some really cool things coming up on the show today. And Jeremiah, thank you. You are our, you're like the fifth beetle, really, uh, of the show. So well, I, I prefer to think of myself as Shemp. You know, like the lost, the lost stooge, <laughs> the lost like the, the sort of, eh, he's like the sweet and low of the yeah. three stooges. Okay, yeah, I'll take it. I'll ship. Shemp's good. You know. Any any show with a Shemp reference should get a special asterisk, <laughs> actually buy it in the listing. So, uh, But no, I appreciate you coming in. Absolutely. And in for, uh, no, it's for always Ian fun to hang week. out with you guys. Uh, we got some good things to talk about and some good things to try. Uh, Buffalo Bayou Brewing recently released something that's just called Dreamsicle. And the oh. only thing I know about it is it looks like it's orange. That's what a dream sickle sure, is, right? Sure. Is yeah. orange, yeah, orange vanilla, you know, frozen, orange yeah. vanilla, frozen pop. It doesn't even really say on the can much about the beer, but it looks. I don't know, it just looks delicious. And I thought, what what a perfect beer for a warm summer day like yeah, this. Yeah, and I feel like Dreamsicle says enough. Yes, you know? you absolutely. Kinda, you kind of know. You know, you know where you're headed. You either want to go down that rabbit hole or you don't. So we'll see what that's like. Awesome. Uh, from Fremont Brewing in Seattle, Washington, Ooh. we'll be trying their head full of Dynamite Hazy IPA. All right. I'm, so. I'm very intrigued by this. <laughs> yes, head full of Dynamite. And from Austin, Texas, an independent brewing company, the Convict Hill Oatmeal Stout. Oh, excellent. So All right. That should, so that should be fun. Uh, plus, you brought some spirits out to taste. I'm going to let you get to that in a few minutes. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, I want to also mention, and, and I've, I have a couple things I've been saving for when I had you on the show. Excellent. So I'm thrilled to have you here to be able to comment on these things as they go. The first is that uh, bartend, uh, I have an article where bartenders are revealing because you and I talk rum a lot, even though I think of you as a whiskey guy. Absolutely. You and I both love yes. rum. We, yes. we talk rum. Uh, in this article, uh, different bartenders from hot spots around the U.S. and Canada, I think, 
reveal their desert island rum. If they were uh, headed to a desert island, could only have one rum. I'm very intrigued what by this would it list. Be? So I want to go through that list, yes. see if you want to comment on those, and then yes. you can maybe yes, think about what your desert island I, rum. My, I'm telling uh, my be. rum collection at home is larger than I ever thought it would be. Okay. I, I really never quite thought that rum would speak to me, but it's just, I, and we like we've talked about in the show, like like it's just so available. Yes, I don't have to fight for it or hunt for it right. or any right. of that no, stuff. No, that's so. absolutely right. And you know, my rum collection actually used to be a little bit larger, but my wife really likes rum, so uh, I really, really kind of need to restock, to be honest. So, uh, so anyway, that's, that's I'm true. looking and, forward and, to talking and, about that. And she's an educated drinker as well. That's which right, is, no, which she is outstanding. She knows her rum, that's for sure. Uh, also. Uh, an article from Uprocks. Is it from Uprocks? I think it may be. Uh, about the... Um, I've got two whiskey articles. I really want, I'm really hoping we have time to get to both of these. The best American whiskey under $50. Woo! Would love to hear your That's comments on that. a glorious debate right yes. there. And, uh, and it's a list, not a single okay, uh, choice, but a list. And then uh, whiskey styles ranked... Ah, okay. In other words, of the different styles of whiskey, what are, what's, what's we can, superior? I think we can find a way all, to work all the way through down, both right? of those real and, quick. And then that article also will uh, put forth what they say to be the best of each one. Okay. Of each style. All right. So I think we've got a lot, a lot to talk about. Yeah, man. That's... And we're smoking here. Now, I saw you light up a La Gloria Cubana. What is that bad boy? So, uh, again, you know, shout-outs to some of my regulars here at the restaurant. Um, you know, I, I we trade a lot, things like that. So this is actually. La Gloria Cubana, like an actual, I guess, Cubana, La Gloria Cubana. Right, right. Um, but this one really actually, Cubana. yeah, this one came from uh, from his humidor. This one is from 2002. It's a hand roll. Um, really baseball glove leathery. Oh, uh, nice. I get, like, a lot of, like, sort of saddle. It's, it's not as light as the wrapper might indicate. Um, the draw is really nice for something as, as the gauge is obviously not huge. Right. Um, but this is man, this is just a really good. You know, I, I have to come back to work tonight, so I didn't want to smoke anything crazy, anything crazy, too crazy, right? Yeah. Um, and this is just really light, awesome. I can't wait to see how it goes with some of these beers. Well, uh, uh, yes. you? yours looks a yes. bit more uh, well, mysterious and dark. Well, this is really interesting because um, I, I'm a big fan of things that are named Yellow Rose. Uh, I am a huge fan of the Yellow Rose uh, IPA. Uh, which, IPA ever which made. is uh, just, I mean, it's fantastic. And then, uh, you know, my, my other, well, this cigar is named the Yellow Rose, and it is from the uh, My Father factory. It's made the okay. My Father factory, uh, but it is God, rolled uh, by uh, Crowned Heads. Okay. And Crowned Heads has got a pretty good reputation as well. It's uh, a Nicaraguan cigar with a Connecticut broadleaf wrapper. Uh, and, you know, one of the things I was wondering when I was tasting the um, the yellow rose cigar is if it would follow in the footsteps of some other things yellow rose and maybe the flavor would be a no-show but uh, but uh, the flavor seems to be showing up so it looks pretty flavorful just, yeah you just have to understand there's a history of no-show where That's, this name is concerned it's like it can be yeah it can be <laughs> All right, I took my shot. I won't mention it again. That's all right. So, it's uh, all right. So, uh, so actually, so far, so good. It's got a, uh, it's got a big amount of earthiness on the early part. One of the things about this cigar is that it is, um, what, 
the polite way that they in the cigar industry describe a cigar that looks a little rugged uh, is they call it rustic. And rustic is not necessarily a bad thing. But True. some really bad cigars are rustic. rustic. Yes. Absolutely. Uh, so this one, I can tell you, is already moving well past the rustic. It's 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 got yeah. it's got good flavor. Well, it looks and I like think the it's wrapper has a little age to it, maybe. Yes. Or yes. Like a, well, like a cure. It is, it is a Connecticut broadleaf, and it's Maduro, so it's uh, yeah. Yeah. It'll it'll take oh, you time. You can see the wraps, and I like it. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Let it, me know how was, that progresses. And one I'll of be the interested things to see with the rustic, I'm always interested to see how they move through the lengths of the roll. One of the things I noticed about this cigar when I bought it, it was, I bought it out of an open box at uh, Casa de Monte Cristo, and it was a, um, a torpedo. Wouldn't, wouldn't a super sharp point, but a torpedo. But a lot of the cigars in the box, the torpedo point sort of pointed a different way. It gave it a very, in addition to the rusticness, a very sort of handmade, hand-rolled thing. It didn't look like one of those things where all the cigars were so beautiful that yeah. they almost could have been made by a like machine. Like a Padron box you know, press right, where they're right. all perfectly in there. Sometimes you look at those and you go, wow, how you did they do that? You can't even get the cigar out. Yeah. How do they do that? Exactly. So, uh, so so far, so good. I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying that. So, uh, And then you gave me, I'm going to try this later, you, uh, oh, yeah. you gifted me when you walked in, which is uh, uh, awesome. This is a, a Cuban Monte Cristo. Indeed. This is another one that... Yeah, uh, it's a hand roll. I believe that one is from 2004. Uh, but I'm just very fortunate in that I've got a couple buddies that have some very well-kept, you know, we, we trade. Sometimes, uh, you know, sometimes I, I pull the strings on getting them a, a nice table last minute, you know, and, yeah, and I usually absolutely. get thanked absolutely. with a stick. Sure. No, it's a nice uh, But it's a, a, it's a, it's nice a beautiful, beautiful courtesy. Now, you know, Shout out to Joe Savoy for the stick. And you know, by the way, that I am a big fan of B&B. Yeah. You know that I've been here and 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 sampled most yeah. of what's on the menu. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I, okay. I feel like you've made it yeah. fairly well through it. Yeah. All right. So now that I have you here on the show, I do have a complaint that I'd like to that I'd like to offer up and give you a chance to respond to. Gotcha. When I came into the restaurant today, getting ready to do the show, I noticed that you had a table in front of the humidor where two guys were having lunch and one of them was the kind of guy I just want to say he was big and beefy and I would not have wanted to be the one who had to ask him to move sure to get a cigar sure so uh, so what's up with that is it it's, you, you're just you just having big crowds for lunch, aren't you? Yeah, well, and, and that and, and that. <laughs> and I'm really just messing with you. Yeah, you know. And that table, um, see, like uh, I, I like to think that my uh, my silver tongue uh, would get me through that. <laughs> uh, no, no, but we, yeah, we 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 tend to during lunch is a little people are lighter. less likely to be going yeah. to the cigars at lunch, and yeah. so so we we tend to just try and maximize space. Yeah, I, I understand. I'm just um, messing with you. But I'm, I'm I'm sorry that man scared you, Chris. Uh, what I'll is? Go yeah, I, I, was, go I was him. I was a little frightened. <laughs> I'll have him removed immediately. Uh, what's going on next door to you? This is a huge structure that so, they're building uh, here. So yeah, that is um, that is for, you guys, isn't it? No, it is not. So our landlord, uh, Frank, that's one of his projects. Um, it's going to be mixed use. There's a couple offices. There's a uh, okay. couple restaurants. Um, I believe uh, the fellows from State of Grace are going to be opening oh, one nice. in there. Nice. Um, uh, uh, I think something more more akin to his original concept. I, I'm not 100 percent sure. Uh, I, I keep fairly busy with our own opening. Yes, so I hear you. <laughs> I have a hard time uh, necessarily keeping up with all the stuff that's going on, but uh, I believe that's the case. But it's definitely mixed use. 
um, it's it's interesting. I, I kind of feel bad because at the bottom, it's been so much often on rain that they go from being very productive to just this quagmire yeah. <laughs> underneath yep. there. And I do yep. not envy the guys that have to work out there. Well, it's a, uh, yeah, I... I always... But they built their own shade now, so it's yeah. good. At least they don't have to be in the sun was, like I they I always, whenever I walk, you know, past or drive past guys working on the construction site, I really, I, there's this part of me that just wants to stop and give them beer. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Although probably drinking on the construction I, job is I, not the best idea. Especially these eye workers break, they're way know? up there on these I-beams, yeah, you right. know? And, and then I think about more than that, and I'm like, man, that guy probably makes way more than I do to stand up on that I-beam. Yeah. Well, you would he almost should probably be buying does. me yeah. a beer. Yeah, that's true. That's true. If, uh, you, if you're standing on the I-beam, but you wonder, it's like you read about like almost every major bridge in yeah. the United States, one or more people died during <laughs> the construction of that bridge. So you just think, you know, there are dangerous jobs. And Neither of us have a dangerous that's job. That's a true story. And, yeah. I, and I'll, it's okay. I'll take my slightly yeah. lower uh, <laughs> uh, stipend for, for the less uh, perilous. That's right. Peril. Less but, peril. But you get to have whiskey, and that's a, and that's a good thing. So uh, so we're going to get to that coming up uh, in uh, the upcoming segments. We'll get to uh, a lot of the things that we talked about, and we'll, uh, we'll taste some Dreamsicle and see how see how it rolls. We'll do that next in our uh, segment number two. It's Smoking and Toasting. By the way, it's show number 145. We're live at B&B Butchers for the Jeremiah Show with <laughs> Jeremiah Butler. And we'll be Cheers. right back. Welcome back. It's Smoking and Toasting, and we are glad to be here for show number 145, The Jeremiah Show. We are live at B&B Butchers uh, with uh, Jeremiah, uh, and we're, uh, <coughs> excuse me, we're brought to you by B&B Butchers and Restaurant, 1814 Washington Ave in Houston, the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth, and BB Italia and BB Lemon with a second location uh, coming soon. Um, so I will mention, Jeremiah, we talked about this Crowned Heads uh, Yellow Rose Cigar yes. and its rusticness, and one of the things that I think may be a byproduct of that is that I lost the ash very soon. Now, Indeed. it tastes great. But I lost it, like, all over my phone and, and your uh, white tablecloth here, so I apologize for that. You, you can't invite we got me. got a couple. You can't invite me anywhere. Uh, really yeah, no. <laughs> all right. So, uh, so we put but, a tablecloth on. But from a smoke standpoint, it, it's been great, and I'm excited about uh, trying it with some of the whiskey when we get to that. Uh, when we get to all that right. segment, so all right. right. So I'm, I'm intrigued. You're so, discussing. Yeah. You showed me this can. Yes. So yeah, we got to walk through this. Let's talk now. I'm going to show uh, Adam. You may want to come and grab that and show it to the camera a little better, so we uh, get. We don't have Mr. Twirly Gig, which you. He's back in the oh. studio. That that is our display uh, item. But Adam is doing the manual Twirly Gig, so the people. Well, get a I mean, sense you guys have always been on the cutting system. edge oh, of equipment. Uh, when it comes to sound, yes, sound visual, and sound effects, absolutely. Uh, I mean, absolutely, and you know. Uh, we have a really expensive sound effect for the opening of a can, as uh, you know. Absolutely. We actually open a can. Well, you know, I mean. <laughs> it's a novel idea. All right. Uh, I'm going to set the mic down for a moment and pour. You entertain the folks with a song. Yeah, so, or, well, no, so one thing that I was actually like, I, I, I'm really intrigued by this. And one thing we talked about, like, in, in between, uh, is I, I'm, I'm very intrigued uh, this is one of those products that you see that, it, it, like, I, like I just told you, it's kind of a bold move yeah. because there's such a preconceived notion of the flavor profile. Like you look at the can, you see it, and you're like, okay, well, in my head, I know what this, I know what's in this can. 
So I'm interested to see. Oh, I know it should be in this can. They they got the color right. If you, if you take a look at it, because it looks like a beer that's got some orange going on. It, it certainly smells like it, like the outside of an orange, like an actual uh, orange. It, and I think actually uh, you can almost smell the creaminess too, which Indeed. is the different thing. You know, uh, it's not as much of that citrusy sort of sharp orange as it is a creamier sort of a taste and vibe. So interesting look on your face. I'm watching for your reaction. Wow. It, you know what's interesting about it is, it may be one of the creamiest beers I've had in a long time. Indeed, it's got it's got that vanilla cream thing working, it and it does really kind of set up the dream sickle. It, 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 as far as a dream sickle beer, it, it, it nails it. Uh, very full mouthfeel, lots of like like sort of fat citrus, not like you said, not that sharp. Um, wow. The only thing we really know about it from the can is it's an ale, and it's 5.9% ABV. So uh, which, not, not which, on the, you know, ultralight, but pretty light. It's a, and very sessionable, which is good. I'm going to tell you right now, um, if you put me outside with a six-pack of these, I don't think it's making it back in. Yeah, I, I was going to say that this is, this is one of those things that if this was in the cooler and you were at somebody's party... When you went back to the cooler, you go for another one of these absolutely. and another one of these. Yes. No, absolutely. This, yep, this absolutely. is a very, very sessionable beer. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm taking it back. You mentioned the mouthfeel, and it's it's definitely exactly what you would want it to be yeah. for this particular flavor. And what I'm really impressed by is how long that dreamsicle flavor actually lingers after you yeah, uh, swallow. It's, it's a great finish. This is I'm, – I'm, I mean – Buffalo Bayou has, it's not like I've, I could say I've had a, a bunch of beers that I didn't like from there. They're, they're obviously pretty solid at what they yes. do. Um, but this one really hits like the, that's, I can see why they didn't put much on the can. Yeah, right. It what, is what it just is. Just try it Open and it. you're either going to love this or Absolutely. you don't like Dreamsicles. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah. No, yeah. And, and, I, and again, I'm, I'm, this is a dangerous beer. Yeah. Uh, at 5.9, it's just light enough that I would, I would not shy away from drinking a bunch <laughs> of them. Now, it does an interesting thing to this cigar in that it kind of mellows it out a little bit. Okay. Uh, it, it, seems to, um, it seems to suppress a little bit of some of the spiciness that I was starting to get and, and just sort of emphasizes a creaminess. And, yeah, that lighter is a, a hit or miss. There you go. Uh, it kind of emphasizes the creaminess and a little bit of the uh, sort of nutty flavor of the cigar. Now, I don't know what... It would do to that one, but we're about to find out, though. I can tell you that. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. I'm going to ash that before I lose another uh, big ash there. They play very nice together. I can tell they you that. Yes, they do. Uh, although, in, not necessarily in a way I might have guessed. At least, no, no, I wouldn't have thought that. that like, 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 especially with that one. I would, that, that's that's awesome. But this one, it, it, it kind of, it accentuates the cream in the cigar. Yes. And then this right. accentuates the fattiness that this feels on the tongue. So it's actually... So I'm, they, I'm, they kind of work together yeah. in that way. And I, this, it's the same thing for mine as well. Very good. Oh, um, I see Ian is on the comments, so he's, uh, he's uh, checking out the show. What's up, dude? Uh, Ian says, authentic sound effects technology has come a long way. And, and he also says, and see, this is, see, this is why Ian 
you really, I mean, we can do without you for a show, Ian, but you got to come back because uh, he says, I expect the mouthfeel to be like a sorbet. That's exactly what the mouthfeel is like. It's like he's yeah. here, man. Yeah. It's so, like he's here. So it's, it's like Ian was in my mouth while I was drinking it. Just out of curiosity, Wait, do you what? think since, yeah, do you think since Ian is not here with us on the show, what do you think the chances are, though, that while we're doing the show and he's maybe watching it on his phone, that he's actually drinking and having a cigar what do you think i'm gonna go i'm, I'm gonna set the over <laughs> under on that at about 85 percent and i'm okay. still taking the over yeah okay very good very good so i'm really curious he said oh he just said it's vegas you can you can have yeah. a cigar oh, wherever you it's, want it's such a wonderful thing <laughs> i'm glad that 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 still exists you Absolutely. know they passed a no smoking law in vegas and the casino owners kind of went eh, nah yeah. And guess who won? <laughs> the people with the most money. Yes, exactly and that's right. the casino owners. So there's a very interesting website called Uproxx. It's U-P-R-O-X-X. And they write about a great many things, but they write quite a bit about spirits and, and beers. And, and uh, I enjoy going back there and checking out their articles. Some of them I uh, agree with more than others, but they're always interesting. And they they did one that I had to, I had to, had to bring onto the show recently because... Uh, the headline title is Bartenders Tell Us the One Rum They'd Bring If They Were Stuck on a Desert Island. Man, this is going to so be interesting. I'm going to go through. I'll tell you the bartender, uh, where they're from, and what their choice was. And you can let me know if you've tried that rum and, and what certainly, you think. Certainly, certainly. Okay, so the first one is Mitch Barella. He's the bartender at Old Vine Kitchen and Bar, Costa Mesa, California. And he would bring the Diplomatico uh, Reserva Exclusiva. This is the one, I'll show you the pictures that might help. Um, it comes in the black bottle. I've had this, we've actually had this on the show before, and yeah. it is a very good rum. Very, very good rum. Yeah, a very, very good rum. Very, very good rum. I don't know if I would have picked it as my one. Okay, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll kind of go, we'll, we'll get, to get to the bottom of the list, and then we'll kind of. He says, it's clean, aged to perfection, and offers irresistible aromas that make for one of my personal favorites, the classic Mai Tai. Now, I'm thinking, if I'm taking rum to a desert island, I'm not making cocktails, I'm sipping. Yeah, I mean, if yeah. I have fruit, I'm probably going to need to eat that fruit, not make cocktails now, out of that. Josh Cameron, who's the head bartender of Bolton & Watt in New York City, yep. uh, goes for the Appleton Appleton Estate Reserve Blend Ooh, Jamaican, Jamaican rum. Jamaican rum, yeah. yeah. Now, I have not had the Appleton Estate. The only Appleton Estate that I've had, actually, has been just the regular one. Okay. Which I think is a good basic rum. It is. In a, you know, sort of a Bacardi yeah, uh, like, sort of Yeah, I think of, of like, the basic Appleton Reserve is kind of like that. You can put on that list of, like, you'll hear me refer to something. It says, like, the Fisher-Price, my first. Right. That's like a Fisher-Price, my first. First age rum and get you in the door. It's good for sipping uh, and great for cocktails. Absolutely, that's very good for cocktails. But the reserve blend is. And that's uh, one thing to yeah. remember with this list is it's tempered. These are these are bartenders, right? Right. Uh, so you know, so they may be thinking, thinking cocktails. cocktails. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, he says uh, Appleton Single Barrel Reserve inspires. Its barrel notes call upon the creative mind and inspire cocktails and literature. Write your novel. Sip it straight or throw it in the mix. I got to try uh, some of that. I hear you, Ernest Hemingway. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's comedian Dave Attell who says, uh, all the great writers were alcoholics. Yeah. Hemingway, that other guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, uh, I do love Dave Attell. <laughs> he's great. Uh, Shane Anglin, who is the bar manager of the Waterfront in Venice, California, picks one that is actually one of my favorites. It's the Plantation Original mm. Dark Double Aged Rum. 
the original dark is really wonderful. Um, it's um, that's he says, certainly perfect for cocktails, uh, amazing on its own. It doesn't get better, he says. Yeah, that, the plantation certainly makes like the Desert Island three for sure. Spencer Elliott is the head bartender of the Boogie Room in New York City. He wants to bring the Montgay Barbados Rum Black Barrel. Now I've had the Montgay. I actually was just enjoying some of the Montgay last night, as a matter of fact. But it wasn't the um, wasn't the Black Barrel. Uh, he says the sailor in me always comes out of my rum choices. My first and only pick is Montgay, born in the sailing era of Barbados. In Barbados, I can almost taste the islands when in a daiquiri or just as a highball. It is truly a bottle that keeps me saying, "Where is all the rum gone?" So. Uh, I'll I'll have to try the the black barrel. I I love the one I was drinking we last night. We had the black barrel here for a while. I want to say it's a little more difficult to get. I'll try and bring one in, and uh, next time we do the show here, we'll, okay. we'll 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 visit it. Fair enough. It's it's. Fair I know. I, I mean, Mountgay. I mean, that's kind of their their rum. They they make rum, and they don't they don't mess around with anything else. By the way, Ian apparently is at Casa Fuente in uh, Las Vegas. right Shocking. Now. Yeah. Well, I what a surprise. <laughs> never guessed. I, I thought you would be at church, Ian. Chase Boyd is the lead bartender at St. Stephen in Nashville. Chase, Chase says, if I could only drink one rum for the rest of my life, which would I pick? I prefer dark rum, so I would have to say Papa's Pilar. It is smooth, highly drinkable, and great on its owner in tiki cocktails. I love Papa's Pilar. In fact, it's one of the first rums we ever had on the show, way yeah. back. Yeah, no, and it's, it's, it's had like a really big kind of following develop, the Papa's Pilar. Mm-hmm. Um, it also helps. There's some... Uh, I, I I follow a lot of fishing on the social media. Yeah. Uh, and so there's a guy named Captain Jimmy Nelson. He's got a show on, on like, Fox Sports or whatever. It's a fishing show. And right. I like to watch people catch fish because I don't catch as many fish. I, don't, I still catch fish. Um, but so his wife is a very attractive lady who has her own fishing thing called Fishing with Louisa. And she is a big supporter of Papa's Pilar. Pilar. Okay. And so it never hurts in developing followers. Yes. You have a woman catching sport fish in a bikini <laughs> drinking Pilar. I think I'm beginning to see the appeal of the fishing shows. I yeah, always thought, yeah, no, you know, yeah. I understand fishing, but I don't know if I want to watch somebody fish. Well, but now I'm interested. I'm just saying, you know. <laughs> so, so it's a worthy follow on Instagram. Paul Walker is the mixologist at the Dawson in Chicago. He says, I don't know if I could live without Appleton Estate's 12-year rum. Rich toffee, gold raisin, and tobacco notes that are so smooth on its own without ice, but playful and charming in a classic daiquiri. So I don't think I've had the Appleton Estate 12. It's a Jamaican rum also. Yeah, I, I, I can't say that that particular Appleton I have had, but I do love Appleton. I can speak to the next one, though. Uh, Patricio Rio, who's the head bartender at Ave in Grand Cayman, Cayman mm-hmm. Islands. If I could only drink one rum ever, what would I pick and why? Zacapa Ambar. I tried it recently, and I really liked it. I think it would go well in cocktails as well as over ice. It's very smooth, rich, and perfect for sipping. Yeah. Uh, you know, most of the Zacapas that I've had have been very impressive. Yeah. But the, and the Ambar is a 12-year, uh, and it's very, very good. Well, that's nice. It's a nice, like, to look at that, something Zacapa that's a little different from the Centenario because Zacapa kind of ran into some issues with their their the 23 centenario which is probably the most known of theirs mm-hmm. because it's a solera style so a lot of people thought the 23 meant 23 year but it's actually much more right. and less right so the 23 centenario implies that it's you know the, the blend and the solera style exactly um so to get a true age statement zacapa is actually really nice yes uh cassandra zuger is the lead bartender at the twisted frenchman in pittsburgh and she keeps it local by choosing and i've never heard of this before maggie's farms Queen's Share Rum, which is um, crafted there in Pittsburgh. 
So I, I, I don't know of it. I've never seen it. But I can tell you it will be on my to-do list if I make it to Pittsburgh. Absolutely. Uh, she says it particularly is best enjoyed served neat with no additive. So very interesting. It's also and it's a clear, a, a clear rum. rum. Yeah. <laughs> Which I can tell from the picture. So very interesting. I love, you know, we have uh, here in Houston, we have uh, Great Dane. Which they make a very nice clear rum. Indeed. And uh, it's a... No, I would be very intrigued to try yeah, that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Christian Petrosino is the bartender at uh, Ave and Grand Cayman, Cayman Islands. We mentioned that establishment before, but he's a different bartender. He says El Dorado. Oh, Great yeah. to enjoy neat and classic drinks like an old-fashioned or dry Manhattan. It's full of rich caramel and molasses flavors that you won't soon forget. And I have to say... Anything that's heavy on the caramel and molasses has a tendency to rank pretty high Absolutely. in my in my. In well, my in El Dorado, right? I mean, it's just a classic house. I mean, everything right. they do is pretty solid. Sarah Turbot is a head bartender at Oak Steakhouse in Nashville. She goes with Plantation Three Stars OFTD. This is their overproofed rum. Yes, we've talked. Yes. We've talked about this. Yes. Uh, a number of dogs told you the story about what the OFTD is. But so they they, they made um, this rum, and there was some. I'll I'll, I'll let Docs tell the full story because I don't want to get it completely. All right, so involved. we're we're back. Uh, we had a, a little technical malfunction, which makes me wonder. It goes to the uh, uh, well, I, I figure Ian must have planted some sort of a bug or. Uh, you know, I've always thought he's like, under, like, 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 a, like a hacker. Yeah, yeah, you know? he's, he's got that. He's one of those guys that's got that knowledge. Yeah, he knows yeah, subversive, and he's thinking. I'll show them this, Jeremiah. Yeah. Yeah. So we were talking rums. I think we, we were talking about the OFTD, uh, which we both have had experience with. Indeed. Uh, well, I think the OFTD is good when you talk about the Desert Island part because, like, what they say, like, the, I think the overproof really helps it stand out in the cocktail. The last one in the article is the Banks Five Island Rum. Uh, Tim Pendergrass of The Outsider in Milwaukee says, uh, Banks Five Island Rum is his daiquiri I could drink a daiquiri at any time, even in the dead of winter. And this rum is perfectly balanced to work with citrus flavor. Now, that's the list. For any of those, what would be your go-to rum? Honestly, out of that list, I would probably go with the OFT. What, um, but is there something not on the list? Honestly, I mean, the Zacaba 23 cent scenario, I, I think, is just so versatile. If you had to pick one, um, honestly, like, but, but, like, so if I'm going with like a three, a list of three, I'm probably gonna do something El Dorado. Pick one. Right. Uh, I would do the OFTD, and then you know, a Zacaba. That would be my favorite of them top three kind of thing. I would say, if I were doing the top three, if I'm the Papa Spillar, um, that uh, uh, British, British Royal Navy rum that wow, Christopher yeah, Hart had. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, and then my absolute favorite, uh, we actually reviewed this on the show, uh, Adam and I did a segment on it from Mexico when we were down there for his wedding. Oh, awesome. We were able to get a Havana Club, a Cuban Havana Club rum, so it's not something you can buy in the States. But it was... Um, it was triple, it was stored in, in its lifetime. It wasn't super old, but it had been aged in three different kinds of fats. Awesome. And it just had a flavor that was, I don't know, 
maybe it's because I was watching the wave roll and while I was it's drinking. It's possible. That was my favorite rum I think I've ever had. Yeah, I need to so remember. Uh, any rum, I need to remember for one fifty. I actually have a Cuban Havana Club seven year unopened oh, on nice. the bar at the house, and the the Havana Club seven is a wonderful. It's, I mean, it's just really it's really dark a and serious. Yeah, balance. Uh, but yeah, I think out of so, this list, I mean, I would have to pick the OFTD. Yeah, uh, out of this list, I, I would go there or the Papa's Pillar. Sure. I'm a big fan of the Papa's Pillar. Well, and my, my love for all things high and <laughs> proof kind of pushes me right. more to towards the OOTD. The OOTD. Well, it, uh, it is appropriately named. Uh, the hot palette. Yeah. yeah. So, so hopefully we got a few people back. We are going to take a break at the end of the segment here, but it'll be a really quick one since we don't want to uh, break too long since we just had a... And, uh, Unexpected break. break yeah. uh, so we will be back, and we're going to be trying in our next segment. Uh, and I think you may be really interested in this, Jeremiah. This is an IPA from uh, Fremont Brewing, which is in Seattle, Washington. It's the Ed Fulos Dino Mite Hazy IPA. I'm very intrigued by this. All right, we'll see if it stands up to it, and see if it represents your uh, your sports city. There. Yeah, that's uh, a true story. Coming up, it's smoking and toasting number one forty-five. We'll be right back. For this segment, Jeremiah Butler is here. We're at BB Butcher's Restaurant at 1814 Washington Ave in Houston and in the shops in Clearport in Fort Worth. Uh, bacon, bacon, bacon. Uh, when we when we went uh, off the air there for a moment due to some sort of little uh, glitch with the camera, I think, uh, Ian just, uh, when we came back on, Ian just immediately commented, Bacon. I think he thought we took a break so we could go get some bacon. Stranger things have happened. <laughs> the bacon is, we talk about it all the time on the show. But I still think he was, you know, putting some sort of swallowing hex on yeah. us. Oh, really. yeah, yeah. I think it's, I think it's almost, almost inevitable that he would do something. I, so. I agree. Uh, all right, so we are at B&B, and we're uh, live, and Jeremiah is sitting in because Ian is uh, in Las Vegas this weekend. But he has promised to be uh, uh, chronicling his journey, uh, and is going to be bringing some reports. Outstanding. Outstanding. Keep up. Um, our next beer is from uh, your, you know, your favorite sports city because you're a Seahawks fan. Yes, big Seahawks fan. I went to high school in Spokane, Washington, right outside of Spokane, Washington, in a little town called Cheney. Yes. Uh, right on the Idaho, uh, Washington border. Uh, but man, that part of the country has just <laughs> really taken off. I mean, even even with distilling, we've done it the really show. Does. Yes. Uh, we had the Westland single malt as well. Um, you know, the yeah, they're, they're doing some great things up there. Great. Things. I don't want to get bogged down in, in spirits, but uh, uh, I feel the need since I know you're a big time. Yes. I do feel the need to ask you one question. Right? If it's why did they run the ball? I'll Fourth get, quarter. Away. <laughs> okay, fair enough. You don't can, even ask that. You know, about seven thousand times. It's funny. Right? I can actually remember. It, it's like it's it, 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 it's like eventually I'll tell my children. It, it's like Kennedy being shot. I right. remember exactly, you remember exactly where, where you were when the Seahawks passed like, the ball. Why? Yeah. And that was exactly the question I asked. I, I can show you the exact brick at the bar I was at in the back door. I put my forehead on it and said, <laughs> "Why? Why? Why?" So, it's know. just Marshawn Lynch. Yeah, nobody, nobody, nobody's proven at getting three yards yards in exactly. the game. Exactly. So. But hey. All right. Well, let's let's salve your wound here. Absolutely. Even after uh, all this time, this is Fremont uh, Brewing uh, from Seattle. Uh, their slogan is "Because beer matters." I like that. Uh, uh, this is their head full of dynamite 
hazy IPA. And uh, I don't know if maybe it's because we were making the camera do all these beer close-ups that it uh, shut down on us a moment ago, but we'll uh, let Adam do another manual with the twirly gig there. Yeah, and, I mean, this uh, one, is, it's kind of interesting because this is like very different <coughs> packaging right. from one beer to the next. This well, one's very is, striking, it's got a story on the can. And I read some interesting articles recently that packaging has become a real big deal in craft beer, as everybody's trying now to stand out on the shelves because even, even though not all beers from all states are available at your local beer store. Still, if you walk into a Spetch or walk into the DQ and you start looking around, I mean, there's just so many different beers. And there's so many, be so many IPAs. Yeah. Well, and, I, and I really hark it back, and I know you guys have had plenty of these guys stuff on the show, but, you know, I, like for me, when I first, like my first thought of marketing, you know, obviously outside of maybe some of the St. Arnold's, just because that was the first craft beer that I right. saw in a year. Uh, but would be the Jester Kings. Oh, right, yes. You know, and obviously, and, and big shout out to Ian, because um, he and I are both, you know, metalheads and all that. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, but the Jester Kings were the ones that I really kind of first felt with, like, the thrash metal. And, you know, they had these really striking labels that were, were different. And, 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 and they were doing these big, giant, you know, farmhouse beers and sours. And, but I really feel like that was kind of one of those first where the label, you'd walk in and be like, whoa, that looks like the cover of a metal album. I'll right. try that beer. Hey, just a quick technical note. Ian just texted me and said the audio's uh, distorted. Like, maybe it's just the camera's audio. Can you check on that, Adam, and see what the, uh, uh, see what the story is? Don't know, uh, don't know what that is. But, yeah, I, I agree with you. Packaging has become a thing. And when you look at the packaging for... Uh, for craft beer, I mean, it goes now in all directions. From like the simplest, you look at something like uh, our friends over at Eureka Heights who use the very simple, the muted colors, the simple illustrations, kind of staying with that theme. And then I've got some IPAs in my uh, uh, in my refrigerator that are like wild comic book art, and uh, you know, clown shoes does uh, yep. the crazy comic book art. Yeah. It's it's all very interesting and very fun. There's even one now I've noticed. Uh, uh, a beer. Uh, I'm going to bring one onto the show. It was an IPA that I got a hold of, and it's actually it, it, it's a tall can like that, a 16 ounce. The label is all kind of a muted matte black, and it's got a picture of the brewer on it. Like oh, wow. it's like standing there looking, you know, gets beard of course, and that fits the part. But yeah, it's that's just the uh, that's just the way that it. Uh, well, but even with the naming, I feel like it's kind of perfect. Oh, I mean, yeah. Eureka Heights. I mean, yeah, it's simple, but then they get name it Pussy Wagon. Right. <laughs> you know, I mean. So, so it, it's, it's, I think you kind of pick and choose what you want to well, stand yeah, out. That's you know? true. So this is a hazy IPA. Uh, it says on the it can, it's a family-owned family craft brewery founded in 2009. To brew artisan beers made with the best local ingredients. Head Full of Dynamite is an ongoing series of hazy IPAs, each one different from the one before. And then you can check out the website and it will, uh, it will give you more info on these ones. Which friends bring happiness into your life. Best friends bring beer. Is the quote uh, that are uh, that is at the bottom of the can? So, uh, so uh, cheers. Slunch? Let's give this a try. Yeah. Uh, oh boy, it it smells juicy. I can tell you that. Mm. Wow, that is a citrusy blast. That is, is as it's got as much of that sort of glass of orange and grapefruit juice taste as a beer can just about as a beer can have. I was just about to say it's definitely not reinventing the wheel like with right. citrus on the nose, citrus on the tongue. Um there is a 
there's a lightness to it. It's not um, it's not as big on the palate as I would expect right. out of it visually. Well, there's like you said, it's not reinventing the wheel for a, for a hazy or juicy IPA. It's got the grapefruit and orange in in the front, but on the finish you get a little bit of mango, which yeah. is really nice. It's a little tropical, kind of and I don't off, get you know? that monster bitterness. No, not at on all on the back, which I think would lend this this. Uh, again, you know, we, and we always talk about, you know, how could I drink a couple of? Th- th- again, this would be very sessionable because it's not going to give you that. Right. So I think Ian would like this if he were here, because the thing that turns him off about some of the bigger IPAs is when you get that sort of resinous, uh, you know, yeah. pine coney thing. Absolutely. And, and this boy, the citrus just completely, yeah. just completely obscures that if it's there. Well, and this would be great. Like I, I, I would even see this beer going into a cocktail, like making a, a summer shandy out of this. You know, throw Absolutely. a little gin to it or something like that. I could like even that, have it over cereal, I'm thinking, in the morning for breakfast. It's possible, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fruit Loops. I think, I, if you poured me this, in, in, you know, in, in the morning with the... Uh, with like some eggs and bacon, and, and just poured this instead of orange juice. Oh, I'd be great. I'd be a better, even better day. Not a problem. Even better day. <laughs> yeah, it's got a very um, almost mimosa. What's funny is the citrus on this is decidedly more traditionally citrus than the dreamsicle, which is supposed to be orange. Right. It, it, that is interesting, isn't it? But but if you think about it, if you have a dreamsicle bar, absolutely, it's not it's that van- citrusy. No, it's, vanilla, it's more the vanilla yeah, and the almost like an orange green. So yeah. So, Adam, did we figure that out, or are you still working on it? It's still, yeah. Not coming through there. So, I guess we're we're coming off the uh, coming off the camera audio. Oh well, always something. Uh, we'll keep drinking and smoking. What do you that's, think? I, I think that's a great <laughs> idea. Uh, I want to uh, share with you uh, uh, this list that I've come across of the best American whiskey under fifty dollars, and I think this would be a uh, we'll we'll try the whiskeys in the next segment. So absolutely, I think this will be interesting for you to comment on this list. Um, and I don't know. Let me check real quick and see if they asked. The numerical order is not by uh, importance or quality. It's an alphabetical list. So here okay. we go. So uh, number one, weighing in at a forty-four dollar retail, Balconies Baby Blue. Ah, Very interesting, huh? Tejas. Yeah, uh, Texas. Uh, made, the original made Texas right whiskey. here. Yeah, hundred percent corn, man. Uh, That's consistent, good. peculiar, and incredibly appealing. There's nothing else quite like it, is what they say. I, I like the baby blue. It, it is, is. It is about as much corn as I think I've ever tasted in a whiskey. It just it, has indeed. That, well, I, you know. and I think I think when you get into your specific corns, I, I really feel like. The whiskeys made from Texas-specific corn, I really think, have an identity. You know, when you mm-hmm. look at a Garrison Brothers or Balcones Baby Blue, like, you could blind taste those, and you're going to know what they are. And yeah. I, th- I think that's a really, like, a really good quality is to have an identity. Weighing in at $35, the Bernheim Original Straight Wheat. Are you familiar with this? I am actually not I'm not familiar either, so. with that. Uh, it wheat, is, so it's uh, going to be a little rounder and softer. Sean Horde, the bar director at Portland, Oregon's Mighty Union, commented and says it's delicious and unique and a fun deviation for drinkers who typically enjoy weeded bourbon like Maker's Mark or Absolutely Pappy or well Weller. Or, yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, at number three, or not again, it's not numerical order, but weighing in at $41 is the Chattanooga 1816 cask from Chattanooga Whiskey Company. Okay. What's interesting about this is that even as many whiskeys as you've tried, and if Ian were here uh, as he's tried, 
the explosion of these craft distilleries means there's all these things popping up from around the country that you might, especially when you're talking about a list that's American whiskey. Absolutely. You know, well, all and, and the other thing is, is, seen, is availability. You know, you know right. if you, if you, all these craft guys, the fact that these allocations are becoming so heavy really opens the door because people in their local markets are just like, well, I'm just going to get the bourbons I can get, you know? Uh, they quote the bar manager at Birmingham, Alabama's Marble Ring as saying, the best cask for the money, it's sourced whiskey and not afraid to admit it. Absolutely. And I, I just think that's awesome because yeah. there's really nothing wrong with sourcing your whiskey no. and and uh, working on the blend. But I, I appreciate the transparency when Absolutely. they say it. Now, this one I know you've had. Of Knob course. Creek Straight Rye. Oh, man. <laughs> Phenomenal. At $46. Um, would that make your list if you were making a short list of American whiskey? Absolutely. Yeah? That, is, okay. that is a staple at my house. All right. All right. Gotcha. Um, it's, it's great proof. It comes in a bonded proof. Um, it's got the spice notes. It hits you on the back of the palate. I absolutely love it. Now, I mentioned that the uh, Balcones um, uh, from earlier in the list was the most corn. The Baby Blue was the most corn that I'd sure. ever tried in whiskey. But I have never tried the one that weighs in at $19 but makes the list, the Mellow Corn Kentucky Straight Corn Whiskey. Oh, it's phenomenal. Have you had this? Absolutely. Oh, now, that is $19? a, staple, a wow. staple of um, a lot of your, your, more, your, your cocktail bars right now. Um, you're going to see a lot of mellow corn in, the, in their cocktails. So, um, uh, good the, juice, man. Uh, Lucinda Sterling, who's a managing partner and bartender at New York City's Middle Branch, says, I find the 100% corn flavor profile so easy to use with other spirits. Absolutely. Or, or no, no, mellow own. corn is phenomenal. Yes. Uh, I've been watching, um, uh, I've been catching up on episodes of Billions lately on okay. Showtime and have noticed that this next whiskey... Uh, which comes in at $48, makes a number of appearances on that show, and that's Michter's uh, uh, US1 American. Uh, balanced and toasty. Uh, anyone who has had the other Michter's products should try it, and anyone who hasn't should start here, is what the uh, bartender said. That's that a phenomenal this. choice. Uh, for yeah. those that are familiar with Michter's, this yeah. is the black and gray label, yes. um, not the uh, one of the yellow releases with the age statements. Mm -hmm. um, right. Phenomenal. And, and then, I actually almost brought the Michter's 10 out here for the show. And then the next one on the list is the Michter's US 1 Kentucky Straight Rye. Ah. So if you're a rye guy. And we're going to talk styles of whiskey later and yes. see uh, see where you uh, where you stand out. Now, what about Riger's Kansas City? Are I'm you actually familiar with not that? familiar with that, that one. Rectified whiskeys get a bum rap, but this beauty from KC's masterful bar impresario Ryan Maybe proves that this category shouldn't be dismissed so readily. A tiny dose of Oloroso sherry adds a gloriously oxidized note to a bouquet that's already got a, uh, that's already redolent with holiday fruit pies, is what it says. Okay. So that would be interesting. I, like a, so I'm guessing it's got a bit of a fruit cakeness to it. Yeah, yeah. Sort of a rum raisin. Sure. Uh, Rittenhouse Rye at $25. Oh. Also a staple at the Butler House. Yep, yep. And $25 for a bottle. you got to love that. Oh, Rittenhouse, beautiful, beautiful bottled and bond rye whiskey. I am not familiar with this one. At $49, Sons of Liberty Uprising. Have you heard of this? I am That's not familiar wonder, with this. It's a wonderful thing about craft whiskey. I'm and one of the you. reasons that I love lists like this because I'll see things go, okay, i got to be looking for that just in Absolute, case I can well, find that's, it. And the great thing is, you know, about regional bartenders and, and bar managers is, you know, they, they have a whole different swath of palettes to reach out sure. to. Sure, you know? and, so and they're great to reach trying out things. To that. That, yep. Absolutely. How about 2 James Johnny Smoking Gun? Another one I hadn't I heard of. I am not familiar okay, with that. Okay, that's at $45. That really intriguing, though. I bet you've heard of Wild Turkey 101 Rye. Absolutely. 
Uh, $26, some of the best rye around, they say. Affordable price in one-liter bottles. It's a no-brainer. Man, Wild Turkey has really come back into to its own. Uh, they've been doing a lot of really great releases. Um, all the Russell's Reserve stuff that's coming out. It comes out of Wild Turkey's house. Um, and they're just good guys, man. All yeah. the Russell guys, Benny and, and Jimmy Russell and Bruce Juice and all those. I mean, they're just great people. And they've really brought, in, in my opinion, they really brought that whiskey back to life. Yeah, I agree. It, for a while, it was, it was considered your grandpa's whiskey. Your grandpa's whiskey. Absolutely. Exactly. Uh, the uh, $49 entry here is Willett Family Estate Bottle Straight Rye. Oh. Another one I'm not familiar with, but you are. Absolutely great juice, Yeah. Man. Oh, good, good, good. I love it. Now, this one I know, Woodford Reserve, Kentucky Straight Malt at $44. Yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. Uh, there's Colorado Straight Woody Creek Straight Rye, Woody Creek Straight Rye at forty nine dollars. Um, okay, I'm, uh, I'm not familiar. Yeah. I'm familiar with a few Colorados, but not that one. If I'm going Colorado and I'm picking a desert island, it's going to be the Laws yeah. Rye. Yeah, right. The JD Laws Rye is absolutely amazing. Well, now this list, and that's the end of the list. So this list is for American whiskey under fifty dollars. Does not mention Buffalo Trace. Does not. Which is interesting, because that. Could even be under thirty dollars. Absolutely, you know? but uh, I also wonder if one of the things you know that, that it went into this list. Like for me, if I'm picking an American whiskey and I'm thinking in the current situation, you also need to think like, can someone go get this whiskey? Right. So if I say, you know, Buffalo Trace or you know even Eagle Rare, which is you know in the under forty, like the problem right. is, okay, this is the greatest American whiskey. Go check it out. No one can go check it out. Because you so, can't find it. Yeah. You know, it's one of those. But, yeah. uh, I mean, there's some great options on there. I mean, the Michter's, unbelievable. That Will It Rye yeah. certainly, I think, has a place on that list. Um, yeah. I mean, that's. It, I, I think there's some, if you're looking at truly, like, uh, 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 for me, like, classic American, like, I'm also surprised that there's nothing... Um, that there's not more of the bottled and bond stuff on there. Right, right. And uh, you know, old granddad sure, or exactly, something like that. Exactly. I mean, or, or the fact that Weller Reserve, you know, right. you can still get Weller, you know, the, the, the normal kind of Weller Special Reserve is not as hard to find. And I'm sure that they didn't want to overdo um, whiskey from any one particular area. Sure. And I know they did Balcones from Texas, but wow, hard to not mention Garrison Brothers. In Man, my mind. well, and Garrison Brothers is one of those those bourbons for me personally. Um, and I obviously have a fairly angry palate. Um, you know, it, it's just there's such 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 pride and craft that goes into those. You know, the Garrison Brothers. Uh, one of the ones that I just I keep trying to get people to get and, and make aware of is that Garrison Brothers Balmeray. You know, the, right. the, 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 it's helping to save the state park that's right out there on the right. on, on the uh, in, in West Texas. And I mean, I, I remember. And if you guys remember the hundredth episode. It was the one that I had at the table, and it almost looked like iced espresso. Nice. It got so dark and thick and, yep, and yep. viscous. Um, and then the great thing, though, about American whiskey is, from a style from a style standpoint, it's American. I mean, there's right. unless you as long as you're not saying bourbon, it doesn't have to be bourbon. You know, everybody gets hung up on this idea right. of of bourbon, and I mean, great for bourbon. Bourbon's you know five years ago, people didn't know what the heck Blanton's was, and now <laughs> I you know I try to sell it and can't. And, right. So I, I, I'm really happy in the allocation world because it's pushed that kind of stuff. It's pushed these other things to get exposure. All right. So speaking of allocation, uh, that's going to figure into our next segment because you're going to talk about a couple of different whiskeys. Yeah. One of which is relatively easy to find. One, not so much. And you want to do a little so comparison. Much. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. I want to kind of get somebody who's not necessarily in the seller world and be like, do you feel like... 
is yeah, one yeah is one better than the other? Why? Right. Why is it just production? That well, kind of thing. We'll, so it'll be interesting. We'll go there next in our uh, next segment. Uh, you are uh, checking out smoking and toasting. It's show number one forty-five. We're with Jeremiah Butler, and we'll be right back. Cheers. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. It's smoking and toasting number one hundred forty-five. It's the Jeremiah Show. We're live at B&B Butchers uh, with Jeremiah Butler. B&B Butchers is our sponsor for the show. Uh, they are at 1814 Washington Ave in Houston. In the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth. Uh, BB Italia is on Memorial Ave in Houston. And BB Lemon, one on Washington Avenue, right across the street from the B&B Butchers flagship uh, restaurant. And then, and then the new one uh, opening... Um, uh, soon in the uh, old, uh, t- tell uh, me the name of the space. In the, it's, in the old, it's in the old Pax Americana. The Pax Americana space, yeah, yes, thank you. Uh, I want to say it's 4322 Montrose Avenue, something like that, but it's on Montrose. You should be able to Google BB Lemon Montrose yeah. and find it it's, without it's there. any problem if you're in the Houston area. So, uh, All right, well, as you guys continue to take over the world, uh, man, that's that's got to be a yeah. We, well, be an another, thing. we haven't even talked. We took over uh, uh, management and uh, we're, the, we're the operating partners now for the new Cape Annie as well. Oh, so, I did not know that. That's yeah. great. That's great. That's a uh, uh, for anyone who's not from Houston. That is a classic Houston restaurant now. Absolutely. Right now. So, and Robert well, Del Grande great. will stay the executive chef, so you'll still have all the Annie traditions. Right. Right. Um, so it's gonna be that's that's gonna be a fun project. Awesome. Well, uh, I will just mention that I've uh, I had to relit, relight the yellow rose, but it was stood the relight really well. Excellent. And uh, I'm enjoying it now. Um, the the beer that we had in the last segment, I just got to go back to this yeah. for a second because it was really spectacular. Really good beer. This is uh, I'm I'm I've been having trouble adding too many beers to my very short list lately. I go okay, that goes on my short list uh, because we've been fortunate enough to try some really great ones. But as an IPA guy, that is the perfect example of what I'm looking for Absolutely. in an IPA. Absolutely. Just fantastic. And, and and one of the things that I always try when we talk about beers and I'm on the show is like, I, it's a food beer. Right. That is a great oh, eating beer. With fish. Absolutely. Or with, like, I, uh, like I was uh, telling eating, you on the, off the, the, off the yeah. show, it's like I just I see myself in, it, back in Seattle, it's steamers, just a big mm-hmm. bowl of mussels and some yes. raw oysters and just yes. that really cold. Absolutely. Oh, beautiful. Absolutely. Also wanted to mention uh, we are uh, experiencing some technical uh, issues with the sound uh, since we had a little dropout, but that is only on the uh, live um, version of the show. So you can still uh, hear the audio, and it's, we're still in there, but not quite as good as it normally is. But that will not affect the um, the recorded show. So the podcast and the certainly won't reflect uh, the, the quality video. of the humor. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> and it's always good to know that we can count on that. That's uh, that's very important. Indeed. Um, so um, we talked a little bit in the last segment, and just just setting this up about allocations and and things being available for for people who don't understand, who are outside the industry, maybe don't understand. What sure. does allocation mean, and so, how does that affect what you can buy or order at your favorite? Bar? So so allocation is when a house releases um, specific amounts to certain regions right. over specific times. So for example, everybody that knows about Pappy Van Winkle understands that it's an allocated whiskey, comes out once a year, you get what you get. They release and, what they release. And that's because there's more demand for it than there are bottles yes. released. And so it's a very small batch. And that's something that they've curated. Like they've done very well. I mean I think most people that know me or have talked whiskey with me know that 
I like Pappy. I think it's a very high quality bourbon. I certainly do not think that it commands the price. The price that it commands. Um, sure. It is simply about scarcity, and they've done a very, very amazing job with doing that. So right. you know, props to them for the marketing. Um, but if you're asking me, um, I, I, no, I, I don't think that Pappy is worth what I would have to pay for it. Nor is it something that I typically seek out when right. it does come out every year. Right. right. Um, now there are other things in the Buffalo Trace Antique Collection that I do look for um, and see. There's a William LaRue Weller, unbelievable. The George right. T. Stagg Unfiltered. Uh, we actually just got a bottle this year of Eagle Rare 17-year-old, which mm -hmm. was really wild stuff. Um, but so when it's allocated, basically it's a finite amount to purchase. That amount is divvied up amongst your distributors. Um, and because of Texas being a third party, so each distributor gets X amount, and then they allocate those out to their accounts. So when a particular release comes out, there's going to be some accounts that don't get any if it's if, it, yes. if there's not enough, right? Yes, there's and I wish I could say that it was uh, not somewhat bureaucratic at times. Yeah, I'm, sure um, that's, I'm sure that's the case. There's politics involved in everything. Indeed, how big is your account? How, right. how much do you buy of, of other things during the regular time mm -hmm. of year? Um, I but, mean, that's, that's just business. I mean, it's the way business is done in virtually every retail uh, uh, kind of a thing that you Absolutely. could that you could look into so um so i i get it it's uh, but even amongst with allocation even amongst the ones who get it they may not get nearly as much as they have demand for absolutely well oh. and, and then there are some that it it happened out of necessity so we talk about blanton's a lot and i'm sure there's plenty i'm sure you know chris hart talks about blanton's or has it it was one of those whiskeys that when it took off, they were not prepared for the demand. And now they've upped, you know, because I've talked to several people that, you know, mm -hmm. that work out at Buffalo Trace and all that, you know, like Michelle is great. Um, and, and what ends up happening, the problem is, is you can't rush to catch up. Right. So you can say, okay, well, we've upped our production and we did it four years ago. So we've got a whole bunch of whiskey coming out. Well, that means it's still going to be four more years before right. they can release enough to maybe ease up on the allocation. It has to sit on its side for eight hours and or eight years. Yeah, I mean. And what's interesting, too, is that once that comes out, the market may have shifted. The demand may or may not still be as big as it Absolutely. once was. People may have said, well, I can't get that. So I'm going to try something else, and oh, now I like this. Yes. Know? Well, that's something that Keith, the, the, the GM here, and I were talking about the other day while we were doing inventories. I'm very intrigued to see in five years. So, you know, because then, then what happens if the wave breaks the other way, and now if you're Blanton's, you have all this extra juice, and there's not as much demand. So now you're sitting right. on more, and there's the same number of people that want it, or, or vice versa. Like you right. say, maybe they've just said, "Hey, I know I can get this all the time." So I'm just, this is just like, now I'm a Mictor's guy. I'm not a Blanton's guy anymore. Right, right. You know, and right. so and and there's so many amazing whiskeys that are not allocated, and that's one of the challenges I always pose to people. And so that's kind of why what I wanted to do here was kind okay. of have an a very heavily allocated whiskey with another small production, small batch you know, aged, not allocated whiskey and just kind of say, like, look, like this is still really good and you can get this. Like, you, you know, you can go get it tomorrow. So from a price standpoint, are these in the same neighborhood? Uh, the reserve's a little higher, but you could get the regular Jefferson Brothers. You know, I just did the reserve because, right. you know, it's 
I don't get to be on the show all the time, so I like to have you know some nicer stuff. But I mean, honestly, and and it's one of those things where, you know, uh, I have conversations with bar guests all the time about this. It's like very rarely is the more allocated stuff exclusively better, you know. Now Blanton's is an exception because that is a very very phenomenal crafted whiskey, and it's it just is what it is. It's amazing. Yeah, they kind of hit the nail you know, on the they, head. They, with they don't need to change anything. It's one of those right. that they just do what they do, um, but. When people come in, and inevitably it happens, um, you know, we, we run out. And knowing and having those other options that can fit that bill and, and are still crafted, very well made, very small, you know, sort of mm -hmm. releases, and being able to offer that same product and have it all the time, that's kind of where I come in. So, Jeremiah, where should we go first then? Should we try the, uh, the uh, allocated or... Um, I'm going to go, actually, we're going to do the Jefferson first and then okay. the Eagle Rare. So um, the Jefferson is the one that is more commonly available. Yes, the okay. Jefferson's Reserve. So this is from, you know, the Jefferson Brothers Distillery. Um, very small batch, limited production. I have a bottle at home, but it's not the Reserve. It's sure, the, and they yeah. do some really cool releases. Like they have the Oceans, which is like aged mm -hmm. on the bow of the ships. You right, know? right, right. And, right. and there's a couple of spirits that do that. We had that Aquavit that, that yes. goes all the way around the equator twice, the Linny. <laughs> yes. Um, so really, really cool techniques, um, really cool house that, that sticks to tradition, but they also do some fun stuff. But, I mean, this is just really high-quality Reserve whiskey. Uh, boy, it certainly is. I mean, from... From really just the first, uh, the first taste on your tongue, you know, you know you're drinking something that's a really high quality whiskey. Absolutely, yeah, and the, you can get it, like right. again, and and the flavors just kind of uh, uh, they just they blend perfectly. It's a uh, it's a very well balanced, and, and that's what whiskey. you're shooting for because that's what I think. That's one of the things I think that you know. The Blantons and even the Eagle Rare they bring to the table is they are these really balanced, just sort of like they encompass everything that a, a good bourbon should be. Right. And so you, you end up with this sort of like pillar example. And so being able to find those because they're out there. I mean, there's so many that, you know, just because you can't get this one that's allocated doesn't mean that there's one that's like next to the empty space on the shelf that isn't just as good. But. There is something, though, about getting the one that's harder to get. Oh, absolutely. That adds to the mystery, the, sure. uh, the mystique of the brand, perhaps. I mean, sure. certainly it's like, you know, I don't know if you ever collected, you know, baseball cards, but it's kind of like getting those cards that are more rare. Certainly. You know? Well, no, I, I actually collect uh, bottles of alcohol. Right. <laughs> so I definitely understand. A slightly, yeah, slightly more expensive, but much more delicious version um, but of the yeah, baseball no, And there's habit. definitely something to it. And But what I find my, my own personal, what, what I really enjoy and what I try and do with our bar here, especially mm -hmm. because of the allocation, if you're trying to sell it, having allocated whiskeys on your list is a gamble. So like I had to create a page on our whiskey list. It's actually called, do I feel lucky? And the whole point of that list is it's all the allocations, your EH Taylor's, your, and you your, may or may not have it Wellers, when exactly. people ask for it. Okay. And it's, and it's subject to daily. I mean, I might get Blanton's in the other day. I got a blot of Blanton's and on a Wednesday night, I sold the entire thing in three hours, three hours. Wow. Well, that's it. So it's, you just don't know. So what, what, what I like to do is find 
what I can of the allocated when I can. But then I, I tend to try and find houses that have stories. You know, that's what I think makes right. whiskeys cool. Is I see, I'm with you on this. the story behind that? Or even rums or even gins. You know, see, what's I, the story? Now, see, I'm with you on this. And I've, I've had a debate about this with a number of people who are like, I don't care about the story. I care about the flavor. But to me, and I get that. I understand where they're coming from. But to me, like the story is a part of it. That mystique, yeah. or well, and if you or have if just you have, the information, knowing. Yeah. I mean, I, we were uh, uh, invited. Uh, Ian and Adam and I were invited to Honduras to visit the Aladino uh, farms and and uh, the Jerry uh, uh, tobacco rolling uh, area. I am much more interested in that brand. I always thought their cigars were good, but I find them much more interesting now that. I went through that process and learned as much as I did about Absolutely. about their techniques and how they do it and uh, why it, they grow. And it helps you understand things, other techniques. Places and, right, exactly. Oh, this cigar uh, tastes this way because they have this roll right. or this blend. But oh, that, that's why this one tastes different. So I think the story is important. And, and even if it's, you know, even if it's uh, some of the things that are a little bit, you know, a crafted story. Sure. Uh, like sailors back in so-and-so day used to do this and that's why we sure. crafted this rum in honor of that it it may not be from that but it's still part of the inspiration i think behind. absolutely and maybe it's marketing to some degree well and for but, me like at the end of the day like if you have crap juice in your bottle i don't care what your story is well that's right you know that's so right. I, and especially as a, as a seller of it you know, I, at the end of the day, the story might be cool, but I'm definitely like, like they said, I'm loyal to the juice. If you're gonna, if it's gonna sit on your shelf and nobody's What's gonna buy point? it because it's not good, it, it doesn't help you any. Okay, but, so the Jeffersons was the first. Yeah. So now we'll go in. So this is Eagle Rare. Okay. So this is definitely part of the Buffalo Trace family. Right. Um, so this one is pretty drastically allocated right now. Which again, this is like, this is a very inexpensive bottle of bourbon. So just because it's allocated doesn't necessarily no. mean it's expensive. No, and, and well, and that's the thing because of the way that my seller and my license works and my purchasing. When I get a bottle of say Pappy Twenty Three, I don't pay secondary market price. I pay right. my own normal distributor right. price for what it is. You're not paying what people are selling it for There's on the no internet. Comma. Yeah, right. Yeah. And and so um, no comma. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, uh, to be fair, I mean that's it, it's yeah, no, true. that's what you're Pappy saying. Is, it's, it's it's going for two grand and more. It's it's, it's nuts. Mm -hmm. um, but so this was a whiskey that you know, kind of like when we talked about with the Blantons earlier a few years ago, this was just you know like a bourbon. You know, right. People people were getting used to it, and now that the, this you know this craze has moved, you've kind of watched the wave go through what's allocated. So. When one started to be allocated and you couldn't get it, they moved to the next and they moved to the next. And eventually it was to Weller 12 and, you know, and, and they just kind of went through all of them. And now they're all allocated. So I will say it really is delicious. It's fantastic. <laughs> it's just. Uh... But the reason I kind of picked these, they're almost identical in proof. Mm -hmm. um, this is a little more aged, so you'll get a little more of that sort of tannic barrel quality to it. Um, but. To me, these are very comparable. These are very both approachable. Absolutely. And the main difference is that you could walk to Specs right now and buy one, and you're rolling the dice on the other. Right. That's really interesting. I would say in the comparison, I have a tendency to like the one I just tasted the best. Does that make sense? Yes. Um, if I'm tasting the Eagle Rare... I'm like, yeah, I maybe like this one a little better. Yeah. Then I go back to the other and go, no, no, maybe, maybe this See, one's yeah, but the that, best. But that goes to show you that you know, 
availability can can be just as important to which one you like. This one feels a little, the Eagle Rare feels a little lighter. Uh, to me, the Jefferson feels a little uh, a little more present on yes. the tongue. It's a you little know? fatter. A little fatter. That's yeah. that's the that's what I was looking for. Yes, yeah. but they're both just really, I mean, and they're great. really amazing. Absolutely. So so are now are these things that you would have like say you get a bottle of the Seagull Rare for the bar, uh-huh. is that gonna uh, it may not go Blanton's fast, but is that going to go pretty fast because yeah. it's allocated? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Because the moment someone walks in and they say, would you have Blanton's? And my bartender says, we're out. Do you have Eagle Rare? We're out. Do you have Weller 12? We're okay. out. So, so they'll they're just asking, go through. Down, they're going down the list. Absolutely. The do I feel lucky list. Mm-hmm. Uh, I see. And mostly it's because the allocation makes it to where you sometimes don't have a chance to taste those. So no, you gotta, I, and you I mean, know. yeah, I mean, I haven't had E.H. Taylor in quite some time. And I, I used to be, I had kept E.H. Taylor on the shelf with no problem because it was this sort of unapproachable 128 proof, you right. know. And, and now it's just it, because of the exclusivity and people want to try the E.H. Taylors as soon as you get it, you sure. know. Now, I realize this is a different thing, but when I was uh, here last for dinner, uh, we were, uh, Ian and I were drinking something that was a barrel that you went and handpicked that was uh, was really sensational. Yes, that's the uh, Elijah Craig. The Elijah Craig, yes. Yeah, so. Now, um, that obviously is something that that barrel is going to be unique. Yes. You're never going to be able to find no, that again once that's No, you cannot buy gone. that retail. Right. No, right. no, and that's the whole point of the barrels. Actually, in fact, I can't wait. In uh, September, uh, I should be getting, uh, we just picked a barrel of Whistlepig. Wow. Um, and that's when you talked about places that are uh, like transparent and unabashed about their sourcing. You know, Whistlepig has always been yes. a source whiskey house. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're just starting to get in with the farm stock releases where those are actually grain to glass, where it's their rye. Right. Um, but a lot of what they're using is, is Alberta rye. But they're very transparent, um, which right. I always think is a great quality in a, in a, in a distillery. Um, and, and, you know, something Whistlepig had an advantage, and unfortunately he's passed, but, you know, when you start out and you have Dave Pickrell as your guy, right. you inevitably have, in my opinion, a distinct advantage of success. So, he, so here's a question. I mean, he's probably one of the, I don't know, top three best known names in whiskey, or I, he was. I would say that uh, uh, outside of maybe Booker No and William LaRue Weller, like as far as mm-hmm. modern like guys, right. like he is probably the most important person to American whiskey in the last 50 years. Um, mi- I don't want to take away from some of the Russell's guys. You know, there's a lot of great whiskey makers. But what Dave did, it, number one, he was involved in so many distilleries. Um, he was unabashedly afraid to experiment. Right. His knowledge was incredibly broad. I mean, not only did he understand the grains themselves, the, ma- like how to, the, the mashes, all that, but like his, his knowledge of the wood and what staves would work and, right. and how to rebuild barrels and treat barrels. And I'm going to leave these, these six staves outside for three months, but I'm going to bring these six in after two <laughs> months. And I mean, it, it was just incredible. And, and the guy was just an amazing human. Uh, he, he was, he was, he uh, would remember your name. Yeah. I mean, you know, when we had him on the show, guy. it was one of the most entertaining episodes ever. He just talked yeah. whiskey. It was, yeah, it was absolutely. wonderful. You yeah, just man. said, Hi, it's Dave Pickerel, and boom, he he handled the rest That's of the show. Pretty much yeah. it. No, but, I can't, can't. At some point, we'll have a dram together yes. on the other side. Well, now let me ask you this question: He built an amazing. I mean, Whistlepig is phenomenal. A phenomenal whiskey brand. Absolutely. What does Whistlepig do now? You've lost this icon, uh, irreplaceable guy. 
how what do you do next if you're whistle big and what are they doing that, uh, that you're aware of? well, well it, for, for me it's one of those if it ain't broke don't don't try and fix it so don't try and reinvent the wheel now that dave's gone um and you know, and I, and I talked to you know their 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 steward of the brand here, uh, uh, Stephanie is a, an amazing amazing partner. Mm-hmm. She's done a lot mm-hmm. of great stuff with us, um, super knowledgeable. Um, but one of the things that you know that they do is continuing the trend of the sort of like renegade aging. So they have all these right. bespoke barrels where they do these really just very uncommon finishes. Um, they do these blends. Their single barrel programs have become phenomenal. Um, they started. They have a. They have a maple syrup. Yes, that I've they, had they it. have. A, it's it's like two hundred trees on it's on the farm. Oh yes. my! It's the best syrup uh, I've ever had. And I'm an unabashed. I like fake maple syrup. I am. I am a Aunt Jemima <laughs> guy. Words, and this, and Aunt this Jemima, yeah. absolutely blew my mind. It's wow. aged in whistle pig barrels. But I think in a situation like that, you know, you, you find yourself with sort of this. You, you have to just look at. A, what his vision was and sort of keep doing it. Mm-hmm. But then the other thing about Dave is knowing him and knowing the brand, like there's so much that he probably has stashed that they're just, that they can release. <laughs> right. That you'll things still be, he was working on, you'll still that... be drinking Dave Pickerel whiskey for 10 years. Now, um, Dave was also the uh, master distiller behind the Metallica whiskey, Black. Yes. And Metallica has hired um, Rob Dietrich, yes, uh, who was at Stranahan's in Denver. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think of that move? Are you familiar with him? Are you, I, I, is, he, I, is he a, I mean, nobody can really re- replace Dave Pickerel, no, but is this but a good move? I, I, th- I think it is, especially from the standpoint that uh, for, for that particular whiskey, Stranahan's kind of already didn't play by the rules. Right. It's just sort of American whiskey. Like that's their whole label, right. Colorado whiskey, you know. And so I think when you have a whiskey like the Black End that kind of doesn't necessarily want to like put itself into a single category, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. having a guy that's used to making whiskey that kind of is already fly by night, I think it's a really strong suggestion, All right, or so a really strong move. So speaking of categories, uh, coming up next, we're going to take a look at an article from Uprox that has ranked. This one's actually ranked in what they think is the best. The styles of whiskey. Yeah, I'm really intrigued by this because they're and so they've, historic. They've picked a bottle for each that they say oh, that's really intriguing. best represents that particular style. I, I'm very down for this list. So I want to run this by you. Plus, uh, the Convict Hill Oatmeal Stout from oh. Independence Brewing in Austin. Very excited for so the last segment. Our final segment coming up next is Smoking and Toasting. Cheers. Welcome back. It's Smoking and Toasting. It's show number 145. We are brought to you by B&B Butchers and Restaurant uh, at 1814 Washington Ave in Houston. B.B. Lemons right across the street. Uh, there's, of course, the B&B location in Fort Worth. How is Fort Worth doing, by the way? They're doing very well. Yeah. Uh, they, they, they've gotten very involved in the community up there. They've done That's a lot of like cool. the outdoor dance series. They're catering the Colonial Golf Tournament now. Very cool. Uh, very cool. So they've done very, Fort very Worth well. Fort Worth is happening. It, it is. I think a lot of people are realizing that it's not so far from Dallas that you can. You know, it's becoming more that right. bedroom community. I mean, I'm sure it's always been there. I, I don't know a ton about that. It's it's particular become area, though a lot more artistic and. Yes. You know, Fort Worth was it's not just the stockyards. Right. Yeah. It was always the stockyards in Cowtown, and it's become there's a really thriving artist community there. A lot yes. of cool bars and places, and of course, B&B butchers and restaurants. Yeah, so, there's yeah. a pretty nice steakhouse. Definitely, now. definitely worth uh, uh, visiting. So. Uh, we talked in the last segment about, 
you know, the fact that when you have some of these allocated whiskeys and other spirits as well, sure, that people have got to search for them, that it becomes that that becomes a part of. You mentioned people who would come into the bar and they'd say, "Do you have Blantons?" And you oh, say, yeah. "No." The dusty so then bottle go, shoppers. Then, yeah. then they go down the list until they find the ones that you have. A very similar thing is actually happening in craft beer, because people, uh, a lot of people are, who are uh, really craft beer heads, are into, you know, being able to go on social media or on some of the beer sites like Untapped or, or sure, I, wherever I, I post post what they're drinking. Cask. Show, absolutely, it's it's a it's a thing. You know, it's uh, the ability to have something that's a little more rare, and of course. For me, I'm just always looking to try something that's new. So that's Absolutely. that's happening. And we do have some of those beers from time to time that are a little more rare. This uh, Fremont Brewing Head Full of Dynamite, this is one in a series. I bet even if you went to Fremont Brewing today, they probably don't have any of this one probably still not. left. They yeah. probably moved on to, to the, the next, next one. The next Head Full so, of Dynamite. So yeah. while we enjoy tasting those on the show, we also really are, for the most part, we try to look for things that we know that, if we say, hey, this is really good, you'd like it if you like these sort of things. Absolutely. That people can actually go and find it. And that's why I'm actually excited about this next Oatmeal Stout uh, from Independence Brewing in Austin. Uh, it's the Convict Hill Oatmeal Stout. And the reason that I mention that is because I've got some stouts that are sitting in my beer fridge that are much more rare than uh, this one, much more hard to find. But this one, if, uh, if you tell people that you like it, they can go check it out find it for themselves at least in the texas area now i don't know how far outside texas that that convict that uh uh, independence is able to reach but it is at least commercially available in the lone star state well that's something that some of my buddies were talking about uh is you know i would love to and and like maybe even reach out to the the people that like listen to the show and all that is you know how, how the the how the city of houston feels like the ab mbev carbach interaction has gone. You know, well, for, yeah. me, for me, obviously, I don't sell the entire line here. I, I, I only have, you know, a, a couple a couple releases. But, you know, I, I don't particularly feel like I, my habadillo still tastes like a habadillo. Right. <laughs> uh, and so you know, I'm, there's been a couple of things. We actually talked about this a lot on the show last week. Okay. Because um, there, there have been uh, – what brought it up is they have a, a new beer uh, called Coastal Conservation Ale. And I had brought it in. I'm looking on the can trying to figure out – what about this is tied to coastal conservation? Because it's a great idea. It's a great cause. Absolutely. It's actually a very good beer. And uh, But we're like, well, I'm assuming they must be donating something to coastal conservation or supporting that in some way. They Surely they didn't just slap that on the can. So we actually called over to Carbach on the show and found out that, yes, they do. Uh, but apparently through one legal thing or another, they just weren't cleared to say what they wanted to say about it by gotcha. the time the cans got printed. Yeah. So that's why it's not on the can. But in so doing, we talk about, there are a couple of things that I'm not pleased with since AB okay. uh, took them over. One is that they almost immediately axed Ian's favorite beer, which was the Sympathy for, Sympathy for the Lager. Sure. Which was his favorite Carbock, and that has not come back. Although we did ask, we got... Uh, David Graham from Carbach, okay. we got him on the uh, the phone last week when we called over there. We did ask if there was any chance they might bring it back as maybe a, a seasonal, seasonal or something. Yeah. Yes. And he indicated that, that that was a possibility. So okay. we're lobbying for it. There you go. Uh, uh, my, myself, probably my favorite beer in the Carbach lineup 
is uh, the Big and Bright, okay. which is a very citrusy, mm-hmm. sort of grapefruity IPA. My understanding is that uh, AB had them cut back on the amount of grapefruit they were using in the mix. Okay. They were, I, I suppose because of the expense, although right. you wouldn't think grapefruit would be the most expensive thing in the world. But uh, in any case... Well, so I also wonder a, if it's the seasonal availability it, when it, it certainly citrus could be. gets yeah. more expensive certainly or less expensive. Uh, but certainly they are... Have, now, I, I've been, you know... I don't think they have it. They only have one beer that I don't like, and it's just because I don't like that particular style. It's the uh, the one with the uh, the heavy dose of pepper in it. Uh, I can't think of what it is. I'm just not I'm just not a pepper in my beer guy. Um, pepper, the pink peppercorns. Yeah, but um, but in any case, uh, I, I, I like most of their. I don't. It's, I don't remember now. I apologize for that. But uh, I like I like most of their beers though. Uh, I enjoy Hopadillo. I got a little burned out on it after a while, so I don't. It's not my IPA of choice. No, uh, it, it has a lot of what Ian talks about. That viscous uh-huh. that leaves mm-hmm. that residue on but, your palate. But Love Street is a great cold. Best. Uh, it's it's fantastic. my favorite beer in there. I got fantastic. Speak of sessional. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so there's they have a lot going for them, and um, you know we decided to make a distinction on the show that just because a craft beer company gets acquired by one big beer doesn't necessarily make it not craft beer. It is no longer independent, and independent can be really important. And when possible i'm going to probably try to support the independent sure, guys of course for the same reason i like supporting independent bands and, and absolutely stuff. but guess what one of the bands i really like that's on a big label comes to town i'm gonna to buy tickets and go see them because that's true because i like the music and in the end with the beer i like the beer now independence brewing true to their name is not only craft but independent they are out of austin uh this is an eight percent uh oatmeal stout uh not a whole lot of fanciness to it at least in terms of the way it's packaged and marketed but boy it pours out just like a big old coffee and that's and that's exactly you know that's exactly what i get is is there's the coffee in this but it's it's really good coffee well you do get the oatmeal though oh 100 percent. i was just it's about very to say interesting. It's, it's well one of the reasons that i thought this would be interesting to have on the show is that at least here in houston you can buy this at heb and kroger it's actually mm-hmm. on the shelf there and so one of the things that makes that interesting to me is how does this hold up versus some of the things that we have tried, the stouts that have been in bombers that have sure. had this really exquisite amount of aging or that have been through a much more potentially, and, and I don't know the story behind the aging and stuff on, on uh, uh, Convict Hill, but they certainly don't make a big deal out of it on the can. But yeah. how does this hold up against some of those things? And on, on my first taste, I'd say pretty damn well. I think it holds up very well. I think it's, it's got it's got a nice blend of traditional with, you can definitely tell the oatmeal, what I like about this one is it has sort of that stout, like residual, like sweet coffee, like Vietnamese coffee kind of sweetness, yes. but it's not overwhelmingly creamy and and mm-hmm. thick on the it's got on a little it's got a little of what I like to call grittiness. Yes, that is in a very pleasant. Yeah, the way that Guinness kind of has almost that fluffy uh-huh. feel on your palate, uh-huh. this yep. actually kind of sinks onto it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I, this this to me is a very very well done uh, uh, like we talk about not reinventing the wheel today this didn't reinvent but this is a very well done very well done it, i will very definitely drinkable. this will definitely have a regular spot oh, in absolutely. my refrigerator I, I, mean, I think with it's a cigar that, this is yes, this would be a great food, food stout you know absolutely I, I don't necessarily tend to like always recommend you know like, like like a guinness to me is not necessarily like a versatile food beer 
the same way that I think this would be. Mm-hmm. I agree. I think I think it's uh, I think it's exceptional. I I really like it. So yeah, kind of three for three with the beers today. Absolutely, and, and again with the availability of this one being so right. high, that that in itself sort of pushes it to the top of some of the stouts that we've tried. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, uh, before we close out the show, Jeremiah, and thank you so much for doing the show Man, today. Thanks for having me. Uh, no, it's it's, always, it's fun. always a pleasure to have you on, and and uh, uh, to be able to have you to like hang out and drink with when uh, my normal uh, drinking and smoking partner is not yes. here is a, is a wonderful thing. So. Uh, so thank you. Uh, to close out, I want to go through this list from Uproxx. <coughs> I mentioned this website earlier. It's news, entertainment, music, sports, lifestyle, discovery, and uh, occasionally a pretty good article about spirits or uh, beers. This particular article is entitled, Ranking the Best Whiskey Styles with Our Favorite Bottles from Each. And I really wanted to do this with a whiskey guy like you on the show so you can comment on those things. So... Uh, while they say the best style of whiskey is a hard thing to define, there's many variables, obviously, X factors. So which style of whiskey is overall the best? Really, it comes down to personal taste. We all develop our palates, our impressions change. But so they're, they're essentially saying these are our 10 favorite styles sure. at Uproxx among the people who, sure. who did this. So, and I think when you go beyond 10, you start getting into esoteric styles of whiskey that right. yeah, may sure. or may not some, even be Some of this may be or, even a little esoteric, but uh, they say they're, these are opinions about style and craft and what speaks to our team. Our biggest desire, they say, to find the sweet spot where accessibility meets refinement to make something truly special that novices and experts alike can savor. With that said, Number 10 out of the 10 styles is American whiskey. We talked earlier about the 50 best American whiskeys yes. under $50, or the best American whiskey. And the Michters. They say there. American whiskey is a broad designation. Generally, what we call American whiskey is a blend of various grains and cereals with no single dominant malt taking over 51% of the mash bill. Uh, so bourbon has to be 51% corn, so that takes it out of this. So American whiskey... Uh, their pick for the best bottle is the Michters. Uh, the Michters. Yeah, absolutely. <coughs> and in fact, it is the Michters unblended that yeah. they that they chose for yeah. the. Well, uh, that's actually the that same one, so. one that is on the the other list. The other that's list. The yes, same that's Michters. right. It's that's been right. Twice. So then there's uh, number nine, Canadian whiskey. Sure. Uh, Wild West, man. It doesn't get the respect it deserves. The great grasslands of Canada grow a lot of the barley, corn, and rye that goes into our favorite whiskeys around the world. Absolutely. And a standard blended Canadian whiskey uh, will be a mix of these things. The bottle to buy, they say, is Pendleton Canadian whiskey. Pendleton's good. I I personally would probably go with Legacy Mm -hmm. um, just because of the story. It's Drew Mayville from Buffalo Trace. He was the master blender for Seagram's and Crown for a very long time. And he's basically making a Canadian whiskey for Buffalo Trace Distillery now. That's cool. Uh, and but but the thing about Canadian whiskey is it's the Wild West, man. There's like we have all these rules here. The only rule for Canadian whiskey is basically it must have the flavor profile of rye. Yeah, that's, that's right. It. As long as it does that, it's Canadian. We're good. <laughs> yeah, gotcha. And and that's kind of cool in a way. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. It certainly leaves them open. To do an experiment with more things. Absolutely. And, that's, well, that and there you're much cool. more loyal to the We talked about being loyal to the juice. And you're looking at Canadian whiskey, by all means, you're, you're just looking at the flavor in the bottle. For what it's worth, and not by much, but I polished off the Eagle Rare first. Yeah. For what it's worth. Let's see, coming back to that one. <laughs> that's what I keep doing. Sure, uh, and feel free if you need to revisit one, by uh, all means. Yeah, well, uh, style number eight is blended scotch. Uh, Scotch whiskey generally falls into two categories, blended and single malt. 
Yeah, uh, blended's a simple mix of single malts from Scotland. It does have to be from Scotland to be in this category. Uh, their recommendation is the Johnny Walker 18. Interesting. What uh, what say you, Jeremiah Butler? Uh, I mean, Johnny Walker is kind of, I guess, in some ways you could argue sort of the gold standard of blended scotch. Just it's the most approachable and known. And the and this particular, the 18, is it's about a $100 bottle of scotch. Yeah, absolutely. So when you're spending $100... Ah oh, man, that's a yeah. That's now, a I, now, what I don't know is if they put blended scotch and blended malt into the same category. As we'll see as the list goes. Because for me, monkey shoulder, monkey shoulder is, is awfully uh, good. If you're gonna go blended, awfully good. It's it's priced properly. It's approachable. It's great in cocktails. It's great by itself. You can mm-hmm. smoke with it. It's it's just phenomenal. It is great with cigars. It is great with cigars. The versatility of monkey shoulder is number seven on the category list. Canadian rye. Oh. Now they say. Canadian whiskey is often colloquially called rye, whether or not it even has rye in it. But that's not to be confused with actual Canadian rye whiskey, which needs a a mash bill that's predominantly Mm -hmm. made from rye grains. Uh, But Canadian uh, rye, their their pick at $25, Crown Royal Northern Harvest Rye. I was just about to say, it's the only Crown product I will support. Interesting. Well, because it's the only one that is 100% whiskey. Mm-hmm. So, unfortunately, with Crown, they're a victim of their own success in that they have, their demand is so high that right. they, they, they put a lot of, we'll say, less than desirable um, distillate, okay. in my opinion. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I, I agree. At number six, the category is American rye. Mm. Um, they're putting quotes around American, and they say they're doing that for a reason. A lot of a American lot of rye whiskeys right, uh, are Canadian ryes that have been blended barrel finished and bottled in the U.S. So it's really more of a hybrid of great yeah. whiskeys Mosey, filtered Alberta, kind of MPG. through the American lens and, mm-hmm. and barrel, if you will. What sets American ryes apart from Canadian ones is that barrel finishing the whiskey, uh, once it arrives at the blending house, uh, obviously is happening in the U.S. There's a little extra something something to that process they say that uh, puts these rise a hair above canada their pick the whistle pig 10. so you're, it's, it's you're the, in agreement it's the there. gold standard yeah. i mean if you're gonna do an american rye that's sourced out of i mean it's just it's amazing so we're halfway up the list have any of these been too low for you or do you need to hear the whole list first uh no, no let's hear the list i think because right. yeah at number five is bourbon Okay. They say it's hard to know where to rank bourbon. Uh, it's a powerhouse of the whiskey market. Cornfield bourbon, of course, is um, as hot as it's ever been. Absolutely. Right and uh, their uh, bottle to buy, they say, is Booker's. Well, I mean, I think it, that's phenomenal. Now, what I would say personally, if I was making this list, yes. um, Booker's is phenomenal. It's original small batch. Like, like the argument can be made that it is the original small batch bourbon. Um, I actually have several Booker No quotes hanging on my wall through different pictures and right. wood carvings. Like I'm a, I'm a huge, huge fan. Um, it's probably my go-to, um, but it can be a little tough to approach because it is really assertive. Yeah, you know, Booker's is always going to be somewhere between 126 and 131 in the proof department. Very aggressive corn palate but it's yep. amazing so for me i'm not going to argue with bookers because it's my favorite i will tell you 
I've got about that much left in my bottle of Little Book at home. Oh, that is Little just, Book. That's Woo. a special occasion one for me. Indeed. That's Indeed. a special occasion. So, All right. At number four, they're going to say Tennessee whiskey. Okay. Sour right. mash, Lincoln County right. process. Yep. Uh, they're putting it actually above Kentucky bourbon in the ranking. They say Tennessee whiskey and bourbon obviously are similar but Tennessee whiskey has to be filtered through maple charcoal, yeah, which adds that extra and layer. And that's the Lincoln County yep, process. That, that's exactly what they call it. Uh, their bottle to buy, they say, at $50 is Nelson's First 108. Are you familiar Interesting. with this? Interesting. I was, am. Uh, this was, uh, it was, to be completely honest, it's one I've never tried. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's good juice. Uh, yeah. I mean, for me... I, I tend to find uh, I'm not as prolific and, and educated as I, I maybe should be on some of the Tennessees just because I feel like like I feel like the charcoal filtering takes away some of the congeners Sometimes, that I really yes, uh-huh. feel like help. Um, but no, I mean, you know, you were the, like like Dickel 12. I mean, it has to. Yes, and that has, I've had. Has and it is quite there, good. You yeah, know? Quite good. And I will say this as well. Tennessee whiskey is my favorite Chris Stapleton song. There you so, go. <laughs> uh, so I don't know if that should factor into the uh, the list or not. I have but, a feeling uh, there that there's go. quite a few people yeah. that would make that <laughs> same uh, same argument. Uh, at number three, Japanese single malt. Oh, and, this is be interesting. Uh, they uh, they say the Japanese single malts were modeled after obviously this Scottish uh, uh, yes. countryside single malts. Uh, from there, they took the drink to uh, New Heights, they say, with the ultimate refinement of the process. Yes. Uh, they're some of the most consistently good to great bottles on the market, making them a great number three on their list. They pick at $130, and Japanese whiskeys can be very expensive. They can be. They pick the Suntory uh, Yamazaki 12. Yes, now, which is also very hard to find at the moment. Yeah. Now, I will say we had... Um, a Japanese whiskey on the show a couple of weeks ago that was about a $35 bottle. It was something, yes, and it was fantastic. Yes, so Toki is designed by Suntory specifically, it's their highball whiskey. So it was actually designed with highballs in mind. Well, we drank it straight and Absolutely. loved it's great. every now I sip. Keep it, and I keep two bottles at my house. There's one in the freezer for highballs and there's one on the shelf <laughs> to just drink. Um, but the Japanese, so um, uh, really they took single malting and really like like that's the best word they refined it like uh uh the nika series is really nice as well um so there's a guy uh they do the coffee series so right. it's a coffee still it's a very very tall two chamber continuous pot still or uh continuous column still and basically there's a guy named matsusake taketsuru yes. that he brought like he went to school in scotland chemistry all that fell in love with distilling married a scottish woman who was also became incredibly important to uh, Japanese single malt whiskey, uh, and he brought the first coffee still back to Japan in the early '60s, and that was a huge step in in Japanese single malt whiskey making. But it's it's just it's such a cool category. They're very refined. They're very amazing. They can get really pricey, um, but they're just they're they're gr- it's great products, man. My recommendation is what I try to do. I have a tendency to order that occasionally when I'm out. Yes. Because $130 or $150 can be a lot to drop on a bottle that you haven't tried before. Yes. So I like to try it when I'm out, when I'm paying the single drink price, and go, okay, this might be worth or might not be worth, depending on how it strikes the ball. Well, and that's one of the things I like about the Nika series is the Nika coffee grain and the Nika coffee malt are both very approachable. They're right Mm -hmm. in that $55 range. Right. So you're getting that Japanese whiskey style, you know. 
Style, style number two, Scottish single malt. Oh. Or single malt scotch. Sure. Uh, it can be a lot of things, actually, depending on the region of Scotland where the whiskey is made. What's number one? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> a lot of it comes down to how the barley's malted. Uh, then there's the water to consider, the Certainly. process of distillation, all of it. They say the best entry point, and that's how they decided on their bottle to recommend. The so best entry point to the world of single malt scotch is the Talisker 10. Interesting. Now, that surprised you, I can tell. That, that does surprise me as, as an entry point. It, it really does. Um, um, I mean, single malts obviously can get outrageously expensive. Indeed. So, say you lop off the top, like, sort of ridiculous end. Sure. And uh, where, what would you... What would you recommend if you're going to pick a Scottish single malt? If I was going to go entry, honestly, probably, um, I think that you could make the argument for the Glenfiddich 12, Glenfiddich 12 as an entry, yeah, yeah. As an entry mm-hmm. point. Uh, I really feel like from an approachability standpoint, especially if I'm converting someone from another style of whiskey to try and expose them, uh, I, I absolutely love using the Balvenie 14 Caribbean. Yes. It's yes, so I approachable. Yes. It really shows, you know, Balvenie still is one of those old craft houses that still malts 10, I think it's 10 to 15% mm-hmm. of their own barley that yes. goes into it, you know, which is very, very rare. That is like, like I think yep. Chichibu in Japan is probably the last that still hand turns their barley while they malt it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I just, from an approachability standpoint, I think Talisker is good and Talisker makes some amazing stuff. I, I'm just, I'm surprised that that's their entry point. $43 is the retail for Sure. Well, I mean, but the Balvenie is so. what, 60? I mean, right, for 17 right. extra dollars. Well, that's the thing. It's like, and, and that's, that's what I feel, feel like. If we have any sort of like thing we should be trying to do on this show, it's to maybe help answer the question. If you're looking at the one that's 43 and the one that's 13 or $14 more, is that worth it? Yes. But, or should you go with the 43? No, and, and that can depend, you know. But it a really lot can. of times what I find is if the difference in price is that close, it's probably a quality. If the difference in price is much bigger, it's probably an availability or age difference, right. you know. So I'm curious as to what you'll think of their number one category. Yeah, I, I am absolutely. Irish whiskey. Wow. Yeah, now that surprised me. Now here's what they say. When Irish, uh, while Irish whiskey tends to be a blend of ex-bourbon barrel aged whiskeys and ex-sherry cask whiskeys, it has an ace up its sleeve that other whiskeys do not. It's triple, triple distilled, distilled. Absolutely. adding an extra layer of refinement to the whiskey type. Generally absolutely. speaking, you don't get crazy specific flavors that you get with a single malt, but you will get a clear sense of whiskey as a drink. I'm reading this right from the article. Yeah, yeah, uh, no. It's... This is easy drinking booze that maintains its complexity and kind of what makes it the best. And their pick, and I have to admit I have not had this, is Redbreast 15. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. I could so, see that. Um, I have had some wonderful Irish whiskeys. And oh, uh, things- my my drink of my my whiskey of intro to this world was Bushmills White Label. Bushmills, yes. And I've uh, recently really enjoyed the the Slane. It's about a twenty four yep. twenty five dollar Irish whiskey that just like tastes twice as expensive. Absolutely, you know? uh, the Slane's good. The, uh, I recommend uh, if we're, while we're throwing names out there, uh, check out Teeling. Mm. So Teeling is a very small batch Irish whiskey. They do a single grain. They do a single malt. Um, really phenomenal Irish whiskey. Um, really good stuff. Um, I, I, obviously, the proprietor of B&B is a giant Jameson head. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and Jameson is 
I mean, it's probably Jameson's the most it's consumed. Its, it's its own thing, you know? Well, I feel like Jameson just hangs its head on the fact that people shoot it. You don't find right. a ton of, I mean, yes, they have their releases of Black Barrel and the Caskmates and all that, but I tend to think Jameson has made its name as the Boilermaker whiskey. You go in, you order a beer, and you order a shot of Jameson with it. Whether it's a right. crap beer, or in my case, you know, I like very, very cheap tall boys. Cheap and tall boy beer with your Jameson. Warm yeah. Bushmills. Like, that's <laughs> for all of the refinement of my palate yes, and all the whiskeys yeah. I've tasted. At, at my heart, I am still somewhat yeah, white trash. You know, there's there's something special about that. So, um, so in this in this list of styles, I don't know that I would have put Irish whiskey. I love Irish whiskey, but I don't know if I would have put it in number one. I don't. I I I'm I'm wondering from a consumer standpoint though. Irish whiskey has really taken off. Yeah. Um, and it's approachability, like you, because they have various styles. Like you can get a Redbreast Twelve, you know, at a very approachable price, and you're still drinking a single malt pot stilled Irish. You know, you, there's some refinement. Yep. yep. Um, I just, for me, I tend to like more individual character. Right. And I feel like there are some Irish whiskey houses that do it, and I feel like some they some just make maybe, good whiskey. Okay. It doesn't necessarily have to stand out as it's a, you know, as as it's an individual. It's right. just good whiskey. Well, I think if I were to do my top five, mine would be single malt scotch would be number one. Okay. Uh, probably um, bourbon would be number two. Okay. Uh, then Japanese uh, whiskey. Then probably Irish whiskey. And I would probably round it out with um, American rye. Okay. Okay. That'd be, that'd be my... My top five, if I were to order them, I think that's. But good. some of those could almost just yeah, you be could interchange them. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I definitely think for me, just from the historic. I mean, I, I'll always have single malt as one. Just from a, I'm a history nerd. I'm a whiskey nerd. I, I, I just all the things involved. I just think single malt is so incredibly, even to this day, so important. Yes, um, it is. Uh, you know the, the the wellspring, as it were. Uh, I definitely think American rye makes that list. Uh, most people don't realize that rye whiskey was here way before we were drinking bourbon and corn well, whiskeys. And, 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 you know, we talk about Dave Pickrell with this. One of the keys to his sort of legendary status is he he went rye before absolutely. everybody else did, and he was right there making great rye absolutely. when everything turned in that direction. You know, well, and and the thing about the the American whiskey as a whole, from a history standpoint, what mo- most people even realize, like probably brandy and Madeira were more important to American alcohol before any of this. Sure, before the whole whiskey. Um, yeah. And then, you know, but then I, I, I mean, I just feel like rye has, has to have that place for the way I would make my list. Yeah. Um, I think the Japanese goes in there again just because of what it took to get it there and how yep. they've approached it. Um, I think Irish, again, historic. I mean, they have the oldest registered distillery on earth is in Ireland. Yeah. Um, not that it's the oldest distillery or they've been distilling the longest. It's just the oldest registered distillery. Yeah. Which Don't would mention be, that to a Scottish person. Which would be Bushmills. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, honestly, I think you also have to go, um, I mean, bourbon's got to be on there. And then Canadian. Yeah. Um, I, I just think uh, the Canadian, Canadian thing, yeah. because yeah. of that Wild West aspect, because of Canada's effect on American whiskey, 
Um, you know, most people don't even realize that most of those great rides they're drinking, you know, Lock, Stock and Barrel out of Philadelphia, the yeah. Whistle Pig out of Vermont. You know, all these ryes are great American mm -hmm. rye whiskeys that were Canadian made here, rye. but it's yeah. it's coming mostly yeah. Alberta and MPG. So, well, Jeremiah, this has been a real treat. Yeah, for me, man, it's been I, so I much fun. I love being able to talk uh, whiskey, and once I get you going on this stuff, that's when I learn <laughs> a lot. So, uh, it's been really good. No, thank uh, you for having me. I will mention just as a uh, uh, return to the whiskey question from earlier. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's always uh, better on the second visit. A few moments ago, uh, I poured myself a little more. My glasses were empty. I wound up going for the Jefferson's Reserve, which is the non-allocated of the Absolutely. two. However, later tonight when I'm hanging out with some friends and buddies, the one I'm going to tell them about will probably be the Eagle Rare. Sure. Which, don't you think that kind of sums up the it whole... Does. No, it the does. whole question you were and, asking. And, 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 but that's yeah. my thing is like, you know, like I, I always ask the question and I do this with reps that try and so many things like, does the whiskey do something that another whiskey of the same category doesn't do? And I think the answer is no, but it is awfully good. And knowing that I'm getting the chance to sample it when I might not. Absolutely. Uh, is a pretty big deal. Well, I would say you can always find it here, but you can <laughs> but find it here when we have it. Yeah, if I feel lucky. Absolutely. That That's what it says yeah, on the menu. That's it. Jeremiah, thank you. Jeremiah is with B&B uh, &B Butchers and Restaurant, which is where we are live today, and they are our sponsor for the show, and we uh, appreciate you guys very much. Thank you guys for tuning in for 145, and thank Absolutely. you, Jeremiah, for making 145 a, a good one. Uh, Ian will be back when we return, but it won't be next week. Next Thursday is 4th of July, so we will uh, celebrate the holiday. Everybody and needs then, a day yep, off. And we will be back uh, the following week. And, in fact, the week that we come back, and I'm really excited about this because we've never done this before. We've talked about it, but we've never done it. When we come back on July the 11th, Mark Burrell will be joining us for the first ever Smoking and Toasting Wine Show. Oh, wow. Yeah, so we'll okay. be talking wines. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I love wine. I just don't know very sure. much about and it. and it's a big monster to get uh, into, other, man. Other than I've had some that I really like, and I remember what those are. Yep. And that's, that's really a, yeah, you about You think there's a lot of whiskey out there. Oh, my God. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, I, I don't even pretend. So Mark, however, really knows his wine. Indeed. And he will be on to uh, share some of that knowledge with us. So we're looking forward to that and, of course, looking forward to tasting on the first ever Smoking and Toasting Wine Show on the 11th. Thank you guys for uh, listening and checking out the show. Thank you for subscribing, checking us out on YouTube. Uh, thanks to Adam, our producer on the Wheels of Steel. And uh, Ian, my brother, come home. I miss you. Yes, uh, we miss you. It's smoking and toasting. Uh, thank you, and by the way, cheers. Cheers. <laughs>